The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Combo Chronicles. Uh, I am your host, Ryder Cat, and you can find me at Ryder Cat on Twitter. You can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And the sound effects you heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! We're Brooklyn! Indeed. Uh, And uh, you can find this here uh, podcast on... Uh, the Cult of the Podcast Network, the CSPN.us. Do it today. You can also find us on your podcast brutal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Cult of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us recording every Thursday night uh, on YouTube.com slash TheClickNation, or twitch.tv slash chronicles. Make sure to hit like and subscribe and make sure you click on notifications so you know when we are on. Yes, which is actually kind of reminded me of uh, the um, of Power Pack from from uh, from the uh, the last issue of Power Pack. <laughs> oh, this week? Yeah, I didn't have no, a chance no, no, to read that. Uh, last one, the, the last week. Oh, because there was a there was a good bit of that going on. I'm sitting here like, oh, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to this week's uh, this week's uh, this week. Uh, huh, interesting. So yeah, um, we uh, of this comic book chronicles. First of all, want to say that uh, rest in peace to to the one them called DMX. Absolutely. He's got, uh, you know, he played a pivotal role in hip hop in the late 90s and early 2000s. He had lots of chart topping stuff, lots of get hype music. Although I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be honest. This was a time in, in, in my hip hop fandom when I wasn't necessarily going and searching out whole albums. Right. And I fully admit that I did not realize that, uh, Darkman X had literal prayers recorded as tracks on right. his albums. And I did not know that. 
And it took me until him passing away to find that out. And I'm sad about that, to be honest, because he had such a conflicted... He had, no, he had such a difficult life. Not conflicted, but a difficult life because he obviously had challenges from, uh, uh, you know, his... his uh, his demon, his personal demons, and also was the looking to his better angel. So right. uh, he definitely embodied, you know, the uh, humanity. If if there's a, you know, if if that's an oversimplification, as Jimmy Woo would say. Right. Yeah. The only thing I, well, the the one thing I hate about that is because um, you, you, yeah, you're right about that. But the only thing I hate about is like when people were talking about his passing. Is that's what? That's the one thing they glossed on, not his career. You know, not the number of hits he had for the you know for the most part. The the fact that he was troubled is, is like a lot of uh, a few articles just been really kind of glossing onto. I'm like, oh yes, we know this, but like, you know, if you, do you want to celebrate the man or just talk about? It's, it's like how they talk about certain some certain people uh, a certain kind of way, but then we're talking about so other people. They talk about them, you know, they talk about all the. Um, the issues they've had, but not the good stuff they've done, or or you know the, the, they've been part of whatever the case may be. But then they talk about other people so glowing who've had way more trouble, or if at the very least as much a troubled life as you know these other people that they talk about. And it's kind of real sad, right? Right, right. No, I get that. I definitely do. But I, I, uh, I, I admit that I definitely remembered him after his music. Um, for being, you know, unfortunately being in trouble a lot. And he did have a, 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 a long string of uh, 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 troubling news, right. you know, even when he was uh, on the famous side. Right. But, uh, but ultimately, you know, he, he proved to be, as I said, you know, uh, the personification of the human condition. He literally had his gigantic ups and gigantic downs. Right. And I guess, and I guess the flip side of that is, I have been seeing on Twitter where people have been like, you know, have been uh, talk about good, you know, good interactions with him. Mm -hmm. You know, like he just seems like he's a, and I didn't know. Apparently, he was on uh, Kim's Convenience. Um, I didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that. But he obviously was delving into the the Hollywood world, right? Um, ever, you know, like for you know, even when he was at his peak as a recording artist, all right. And uh, he, you know, he he's found he found that uh, that additional uh, career there in in acting. So right, okay. you know, rest in peace, Dark Man X. Indeed, uh, yeah. Famously, did uh, start in Bailey, Bailey. Yeah, I was about to say his last name is Simmons, right, Earl Simmons? I believe that's true. Yes. Yeah. So you know, just a, just a little, you know, we, we pour a little bit out for Dark Man X. Yep. Man, that's there you go. <laughs> that put that put a that put a seal on that right there. <laughs> right. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the track. You know, uh, Roddy Cat and I just before we came on, we're talking about the 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 tracks that we remember DMX best for. You know, because unfortunately he didn't have the, the longest rap career. But he definitely had uh, some songs that really hit home, and 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 found themselves a lot of you know radio play, cl definitely club play, uh, stadium play. Um, you know, there's definitely some of those songs as well. But what's my name? As someone who has lived his entire life with uh, uh, constantly correcting people on how to pronounce his last name, I, I felt that when he yelled that out. I felt it in my 
bones. <laughs> Felt it. What's my name? So. Right, right, right. Indeed, indeed. You know, uh, I, I also meant, I was about to say, I also mentioned who we be. I yes. always thought that was, a, you know, even though it was one of his later tracks, I always thought that was really one of the, the stronger uh, tracks that he put out. Right, and if things weren't things for copyright uh, violations or whatnot, we would have we would have probably um, had a whole bunch of snippets going on right in this place as we were talking. But right, I was about to say if we were a versus, um, maybe we wouldn't have. <laughs> you know, if we were literally like a D, uh, a D, uh, playing a DJ set, that might be uh, something we could do. But uh, no, we are the Comic Book Chronicles, and we we're here indeed. to talk about. Uh, all the stuff that is comic book culture, and the first thing we are going to talk about is to which actually it works out because I think he did he was in a probably has been in a comic book or two. Oh yes, um, if I remember not mistaken. But yes, the first thing we're going to talk about uh, this week on the show is uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier recap of episode four. So I'm just going to go ahead and say that well, spoiler one is already in flag. If you're listening to this on the audio version, you would have heard that before the sh- right before the the show started. Uh, but if you don't want to be spoiled on Falcon Winter Soldier episode four, you may want to spin out for about, say, like I say, 20 minutes. Let's yeah, that's about right. 15, 20 minutes is about yeah. right. So spoiler bell warning in three, two, one for the Falcon and Winter Soldier episode four. And there goes a little something like this. Uh, let's see. First off. The, sh- the the name of the episode is called "The Whole World Is Watching," and that will become quite apparent as uh, as uh, as we talk about this. So it opens yes. in yes, yes, that is a key element here, and it's a it's it's a tease for what happens really at the end of the episode. Well, that, from what yeah, and also I guess there's a couple of other things that it also kind of calls to also um, according to East, you know a couple of Easter egg things that I saw. But um, so first off, we start open off in Wakanda and and uh, you know back when Bucky was there getting deprogrammed, um, this was like his 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 trial by fire with the deprogramming to see if it actually works. So it's him and um, Ayo. Um, uh, uh, um, you know, sitting by the fire, and he's being all his mopey self. And she's like, uh, "Well, I'm gonna, uh, this is the last test." And then she goes through the, the well. This is the last test, and uh, and you know he's worried about you know whether it doesn't work. He's he's pretty much being a naysayer on this and thinking it's not going to work. And I've been like, "Well, not with that attitude." But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so she was like, "Yeah, I'm 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 gonna say the, your trigger words that, that we know well from well not maybe not well, but that we know that we've seen before in the movies." Um, you know, to see if it actually works. And she was like, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to let you let, let anyone let you hurt anybody. To which we didn't find out later on what she mean, meant by that, outside of the fact that, you know, she she's one of the Dora Milaje and she will kick ass. Uh, as right. we will also well, see. Exactly. exactly. What I was going to say is, what's implied is that she has the force, she can she can apply the force necessary to keep him from hurting anybody. Right. That's and, what you, that's what you think as first. Whole, right. And the Dora as a whole... Uh, can 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 at least keep him at bay from hurting any any of the innocent Wakandans. That's how I read that, and I find it funny that you're you're talking about how Bucky's his mopey self. I'm like, um, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that's the way he always is. Uh, anytime 
uh, whatchamacallit, anytime the the threat of the trigger words, the the the, the activation words oh, sure. or the, the programming words uh, is 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 getting ready to be uh, thrown out there. So I I I kind of I kind of chuckled at that. I'm like, yeah, I would be too if I heard uh, some of these words in Russian. Even on my own, I'm already programmed. Right, but uh, <laughs> right, but uh, even before that, like even in the first episode, like he was kind of all like, oh, the first episode, episode he was like, oh, kind of you know, being all emo. Um, but nevertheless, uh, let's see, so yeah, so that happens. She uh, she goes through all of the words, and uh, and you can see the conflict on his face as uh, as it goes by, as uh, as they keep going by, and he's thinking, and you see flashbacks of pretty much. Um, you know, snippets of of all of his showings in the MCU, including as the Winter Soldier, uh, as uh, as she's going through the words, and once she gets to the end, kind of finds out nothing. He's he's you know it, it worked out. <laughs> he didn't get triggered, right? So um, you know that being the, that being the case, we, we go from there to um to present day where they're talking outside of, I forgot where they were. I think there was in Rigo or no, they weren't in Rigo. Rigo. La- were Latvia. In Rigo? Yeah. So they were still yeah. in Latvia and this is pretty much taking care of this. Is, uh, after the events of the last episode where he goes and finds out and they meet it to, up together. So they have some words, uh, you know, uh, she basically says that we want Zemo, Zemo, why'd you help him escape that kind of situation? Um, and uh, so, you know, Bucky's like, we, he was an innocent mean. Do we need him for, for something? You know, uh, you know, stall us out. So she was like, eight hours. You got eight hours. And then we're coming for him. Right. Part of me was like, yo, uh, you know, using Zemo as a means to an end and only giving them eight hours. I was actually in my head sort of counting the time. Right. And I wasn't sure if eight hours had passed, to be perfectly honest. Right. <laughs> Yeah, that was the kind of but, where I was too. Because I'm like, I know that some things happen, but I'm like, that's yeah. I'm like, wow, that's. I don't know and we'll get to, exactly, and we'll get to that. What Roddy Cat is describing is, is is the the passage of time, which obviously in in an in an episode, which is technically the longest episode of the show so far, but still less than an hour. Right. Which we're we're left trying to figure out how the story is moving along, uh, to see how these eight hours that. Uh, Io and the and the door of Malage give you know how how long you know how this eight hours is spent right. uh, by Bucky, um, Sam and Zemo as um, as they're look as they're looking to locate um, uh, Carly and the Flag Smashers. Right, and it's not like we get a twenty four style countdown clock, um, right? You know, as it's going on, so it, it is what it is. Uh, so yeah, um, so I guess yeah, this is where we cut to Carly, uh, Morgenthau, and um, and I guess the news. Yeah, because I think it cuts to the, to, to the news to where um, uh, they're talking about the bombing from last episode, and you know, and. Uh, and and that once then apparently we get to see uh, Zemo get some monologuing here, including a great line. According to this article that I'm checking out, it says uh, that actually. So okay, so here's the part that I don't like, or that that I didn't like because well, no, I like this part, but I didn't like what people after this, uh, were, were, you know, on social media was kind of kind of getting at. So basically, um, 
Zemo's talking about um, talking about he's as this article says connecting Nazis to Ultron and to the Avengers and saying that they're all bad and they're he's calling basically calling her and uh, and the Flag Smashers supremacists and I'm sitting here like who are you to be calling some people now yes this is a good, I'm talking I'm thinking more comic Zemo than this version but this version is still not a good person. Right, right. He may not necessarily be connected to the Nazis the way Helmut uh, was, but he did work with Hydra in this in this version. Um, wait, no, he didn't. He, no, he, he didn't. No, he didn't. He yeah, would, no, no, no. Uh, I'm actually right, thinking of a comic he, book from this week, but yeah. No, what I was gonna say is, um, uh, what you know, what's implied is that he was royalty in a in in probably a predominantly white nation of of Sokovia. Sure. So you know, there's there's definitely some. Uh, you know, some some level of supremacy there may be not right. the supremacies that we're used to thinking or talking about, but so, he's royalty. So, so yeah, and, and on that point, right, so on that point, you know, he's all like, you know, even in um, um, uh, um, 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 Civil War or whatever, he's all like, you know, superpowered people, and just like he's saying here, like, superpowered people shouldn't exist. You know, uh, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, also thinking to myself, it's like, well, that's probably because he had to get if they weren't around, people like you would probably have more power, and, and that's what you really what you would have a real problem with. But regardless, he's doing all of that kind of talk, and uh, it basically, if you take a step to it, it basically sounds like, well, no superpower people, which means you could think about if mutants were around, you know, in, in this universe, in the MCU universe, what we think about that. But you could also take a step that is like, well, if you don't, so you basically don't want anybody different than you, which you know, being that he's working with Sam, that would also be, you know, there could be a logical step, well, a logical step taken from that, because some of this stuff still kind of plays into, you know, how, into somewhat comic uh, renditions of him. But uh, the one thing I couldn't stand about it was like, people were like, um, which, you know, you're going to have these people out there. Um, People were pretty much going off of what Zemo, pretty much saying Zemo was relatable. Zemo's not relatable. Zemo's a manipulative. <laughs> he's you know regardless he's 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 not being shown as his comic book version, but he's nowhere near relatable, and he's still not a great person. In yeah, this. I was gonna say I don't know if relatable. No, that's what people have been saying. Is, well, I mean, this is why I'm not necessarily on social media like that. Right. I don't think, but I don't think that's the, the the correct way of looking at Zemo. Obviously, what the MCU has done is given and that what they've, what they've done in the past and what they continue to do is to give the villains who are the heroes in their own stories, some of the more complex moral and, and, um, and, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, some of the more complex moral positions, um, and, 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 uh, and viewpoints, in the MCU, obviously, we we, we think back to uh, Eric Killmonger, and now we have uh, Zemo expressing stuff that uh, definitely has uh, different nuanced views on it. So it's interesting that, and 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 it's a, it's a, I think it's a strength of the MCU that they that they're utilizing the villains to really put forth these really nuanced. Um, viewpoints on what are really complex moral issues sure i yeah i guess i i hate the fact that it's sometimes comes off as humanizing them too much Mm -hmm. 
because I'm like, no, they're still the bad guys. Don't, don't, you know. And we've seen that kind of often in, in cinematic, um, in cinematic landscapes. Like, okay, yeah, you, you, you're making them a little too human, a little too sympathetic. Yeah, I understand. and it's like, no, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> you really I understand. That. I understand. But, 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 in any event, it does make them an effective character. You yeah. know, they are a fleshed out character. They are not a one note villain, which is something that we always uh, we always criticize some of the MCU movies for because they just didn't give enough time to the villains to flesh out their stories. But this is a TV show and we've had the time. And so, as Roddy Cat mentioned, you know, uh, Zemo gets a chance to really express his views on this. And um, as we move along, um you know, we uh, we find out that um, you know, as a result of the bombings that the flag smashers, the, the 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 bombing that we that the flag smashers pulled off that Carly didn't tell her other flag smashers about really, mm-hmm. was that it led to uh, stricter um, controls for borders and that um, and uh, uh, Sam, Bucky, and Zemo are, are on the hunt for uh, for Carly and they they get a, a clue. That um, the funeral for Donya Madani, that uh, that character who they attract uh, to Riga, is going to be held uh, that same day. And um, at this point, is this where the uh, the Turkish delight comes in? Yes. So yes. as so so yeah. So they're in this one spot and they're looking for clues and they split up. Um, Bucky's watching Zemo, but from a distance. But he's kind of looking around. Sam kind of goes up there, goes upstairs to kind of look around and ask people around. But he doesn't get any. Uh, no one helps him out. Matter of fact, people are just kind of ducking and hiding because apparently it kind of comes to light that they seem like they know who he is, and they're like, you know, um, you know, so they're not trying to help him because you know people like them don't normally, you know, usually somebody like Sam comes around. There's you know some trouble looking around that at least that's what can be implied from it but people are kind of they don't like outsiders is basically what they actually say so exactly except for the one person who actually does talk to him so he did sam does find somebody that talked to him and they're like yeah i know you are but you don't you know you um basically you're an outsider and people here don't trust outsider which is why people were kind of ducking and leaving and whatnot and like nope i'm i i can't help you basically so meanwhile, Zemo is is downstairs and we're, and we're in, a, in this little courtyard and there's a bunch of kids uh, playing. So he goes over there. As a matter of fact, yeah, because the Turkish delights, I think was I can't remember if that if he brought them out earlier when he was talking during his monologue. I think it did. Right, he uh, found them. Found them in wherever it was that they were that they were staying. Right, uh, that was um, Zemo's place near near and or close to Riga, right. and so he probably tucked some into his pocket. And he was able to use these candies to entice kids into giving him some uh, intel. Right. So it just and, happened that happens to, that happened to come in handy with, for that reason. Exactly. And 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 it also uh, shows that everyone has their own uh, super spy technique. And I you know I kind of laugh <clears throat> because poor Sam still not equipped yet for for the whole super spy thing. Uh, Bucky is uh, equipped for a different type of super spy thing. <laughs> right. right. He's you more, know, more in line for wet works at this point. Exactly, mm. exactly. He's not the most subtle 
uh, tool in the toolbox. You know, if you had, you know, if you were in um, the Red Room or if you were in the KGB or Hydra uh, back in, you know, back when Widow was still uh, uh, an agent, uh, if you had, you know, something subtle, you sent in widow if you had something that required more wet works then yeah you send in the winter soldier mm-hmm. so but um but in any in any event as we mentioned um uh you know we find out that uh um that that carly you know uh w- you know, while they're trying to figure out what to do with the rest of the, the the serum and you know they've already found out that the power broker is on their tail. Right. But before that, they want to go to they want to go to the um, the funeral for Donya Madani. Right. So and yeah and so so Zemo's doing that with the, you know talking to the kids and getting the information to get them to keep hush hush you know tell them not to talk to Sam or, or Sam or Bucky because you know he's manipulating basically or mm. or or upping his leverage I guess was so not necessarily manipulating but um uh, Sam is also talking to Sharon who he finds out the um, you know causing another favor for him even though he already has one with her uh, that's where she tells him that the power broker is mad and he wants the serum back and and then and, and that whole thing coming back but um then I think we uh cut to Carly in the cemetery with one of the uh with one of her other flex measures and they end up getting the serum and they're talking. Uh, as a matter of fact, there was a conversation between between them two while they're while they're getting this about. Um, uh, I believe the other dude was a fan of Captain America back in the day because of um, he had a family member who fought in a war. Um, but but there's a whole different a whole conversation about you know the world being different from the war, from what it was and needs a new Captain America and says that she could be you know. She should be the new Captain America, but she's you know more in tune with what the world needs uh, now. So that whole conversation kind of kind of happens as they get the uh, informula and go, or get the rest of the serum that they have and go. Um, and then we catch up with that asshole. <laughs> uh, yes, one John Hop or John Walker and uh, Lamar Hops Hoskins because I'm not calling him Cap. Um, so, uh, as Zemo and, uh, Bucky and Sam are heading toward the, the, the place of the funeral, uh, you know, John and John and, uh, John Walker happens to show up with, with, uh, Lamar and they're talking there for a second and, uh, you know, he's being John Walker. Like, if you, I know a lot, some people only know this version of John Walker, but he's pretty much comic accurate at, at this point. Almost. Right, right. With some with some changes, but yes, yes. definitely, uh, it's definitely something where if you're familiar with the source material, you are you you already sensed if you didn't you know they they kind of telegraphed it, but you already sensed where this mm-hmm. was going, and they definitely used uh, they definitely adapted some of the source material that I personally remember reading in real time mm-hmm. back in the day. And I could just see it starting to happen. And I was like, oh, so that's how they're adapting this particular part of the story um, to get to this point. But we'll get there when, uh, right. when we it get there. So as Roddy Cat mentioned, you know, the the uh, uh, John Walker and Lamar Hoskins Battlestar uh, link up with um, Zemo, Bucky, and Falcon. And uh, they end up, you know, getting to where the funeral is happening. And they... 
the 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 group of them convinced John Walker to 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 give Sam some time mm-hmm. because what Sam is trying to do is reach out. He 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 makes it uh, plain to John Walker that one of the one of the things that he did after he uh, left active duty was go into counseling, mm-hmm. but as a counselor as someone who worked in uh, dealing with post-traumatic stress and, 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 and all this other stuff. So he has some experience, some uh, skill with uh, talking things out. And so right. they are able to convince to Walker to give him 10 minutes. Oh, excuse me. Is a callback to Winter Soldier. Excuse me. Oh, yes. I was about to say, I didn't hear what you said, but yes, that is definitely a callback to how we meet Sam in the Winter Soldier after uh, Cap laps him. Uh, a couple of times around um, the, the the reflecting pool, mm. so um, we uh, you know we get Sam trying to talk Carly out of her terrorist plans, mm-hmm. and um, what what ends up happening is uh, Sam actually uh, talks uh, brings up some points that uh, Zemo makes about. Right. Uh, about wanting to use the, uh, the 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 super soldier serum to force people to see her see things her way, right. and uh, that that and and with that um, uh, point of view and with that willingness to to go to those lengths to to have uh, her way be done makes her a supremacist, and just as it seems that Sam is starting to get through. John Walker does a John Walker. Yep. Yep. He comes busting. And so, yeah. And so, yeah. So the, the whole thing about Sam kind of, uh, kind of, kind of mentioning what Zemo said, you know, according to his articles, it kind of makes it seem like, well, you know, he's clearly still in Zemo's pocket and that could, I mean, kind of sort of still in Zemo's pocket in a way, uh, with, you know, following along, but also it's like, no, this is, he pretty much was saying like, no, this is what people are saying about you. You know, which I'm pretty sure Zemo would not be the the, the only one thinking that. But, mm. but yeah, as he's connecting for it, that's when John Walker comes busting in like the fool he is, and, and um, uh, you know, gives chase, um, uh, to which you know causes Zemo to escape. Well, not causes Zemo to escape. Zemo and who was who just got uh, handcuffs, escaped from his handcuffs. Um, we'll see what happens in the minute, but Sam, you know, kind of gives chase, and and so does uh, Walker and Bucky also. Which I'm sitting here like, why didn't Bucky just stop him? Like, why did why did Bucky let him go in? There? He could have just like, hold on, stiff armed him real quick. Which granted, probably would have started a fight already that we'll see later on. But <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you know, Zemo gets away because of the fight going on, right? So. So essentially, as 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 this confrontation, uh, uh, you know, is already heated, it escalates. And who steps in? Who comes in? Who? Well, no, 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 no. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Yes, we're almost there. We're not. There well, Zemo gets away because they they because they come in. I know, but no, 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 uh, no. We're not there yet. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the oh, what happens oh, later. Okay. I'm talking about when and the Carly still scene because he because he. Oh, so we're cause, still there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still there. So, to, to, yeah. So, so we can go ahead and get to that part. Yeah, Zemo gets out of his handcuffs, uh, basically, and as there people are somehow he ends up finding Carly before everybody else does, and he starts shooting at her, which makes her drop the serum and. Uh, um, and she does get hit, but you know, like I said, Super Soldier are not invulnerable. Uh, she gets hit. He 
uh, breaks up a whole bunch of the vials uh, uh, that he sees on the floor of the super soldier serum, serum, and then that's when pretty much everybody else kind of catches up to him. Um, right. Uh, but apparently one got missed uh, that gets found by John Walker, so he kind of tucks that away. Um, because then, he would, because that's the way that's the that's where the story needed to go. Exactly. Um, and yeah, and the, John does uh, knock Zemo out. I forgot about that part, but yeah. Um, and next, that's when you find Super Soldier Syndrome, and then there's some some um, there's some um, there's a cuts to a conversation later on, I guess, assuming between John and Lamar about whether, you know, whether we would take a, uh, take serum, which I believe echo kind of almost echoes, uh, the, uh, the scene from earlier where Zemo asked, um, Sam if he would take it and Sam's like, nah, uh, but you know, them two or weirdly enough in a mall and they're talking. And at this point you kind of, or at least at this point, I kind of wondered if he had already taken this, John had already taken the serum or something, but he was asking cause, right. but he was asking at this point cause you kind of, kind of wonder like, like, did he actually already take it? And he's just asking to see if it was, you know, if it was cool or not. And you also, but you also, you know, get a sense of like, well, is he going to share some with uh, Lamar? Which he, you know, um, will find. I was so I was annoyed by that. Right. I was annoyed by that because that should have that should have been uh, either they either he recovered two vials or he split the dose. Right. Because in order to keep, I hate to say comic accurate, but Battlestar's supposed to be enhanced. Also, he's exactly. not. He is no. Um, uh, uh, a piece of chopped liver, you know, right. for lack of a more catchy uh, phrase. As I was just digging for one, right? But so, so yeah, in the is, comics, they right. they both were uh, enhanced by. Yeah, I was about to say he's not the weakest guy on the block. That's right. the point. They they both in the comics were enhanced by the power broker uh, at uh, at certain point during the run. Um, I think both. Wait. Almost, I guess I don't know. I can't remember, but um, regardless, they both have. Regardless, so that conversation happens, and then it cuts to um, them and uh, Falcon Winter Soldier um, uh, going to the funeral. No, wait, that was the funeral. I'm sorry, that was that was, that was mm-hmm. that. Um, so they're in. I guess they're still in one of Zemo's hideouts. Um, where no, there's you know what it, what it is is that they are, they you know it's just another part of the complex that they're in with the with the funeral, and uh, what ends up happening is that you know you get the big fight scene. Well, right? that's why I think no, because that's what I was thinking. It, it didn't seem like it was that because it does, it kind of sort of doesn't make sense how Zemo would you know what we'd see what happens with Zemo if that was because but it's, it made they it made it sound like they were in Zemo's spot but yeah you you may be right I don't know but regardless so yeah so they're talking and um the uh John Walker comes in and wherever they are um right no they're still at the, the you're right they're still in the in the building where this this uh uh funeral's being secretly supposedly secretly held right so what ends up happening is you know that's when the the fight you know this is this is what I was teasing earlier right. is that they talk about you know they there's a lot of the stuff is happening in flashback what 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 um Roddy Cat was mentioning too about um uh 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 this conversation with uh, between um Lamar and John Walker I'm not sure if it- it wasn't. I'm not sure if it, if it was in flashback, or was it? In, I think it was like a like a, a quiet moment, right? Where, you know, in between, where, like in between battles, right? 
So, or in between action, in between scenes, I guess. Right. So, so, so but in it, any event, you right. know, what you get is uh, the Dora Milaje finally right. determining that the eight hours are up. Right. So, they, and, so, so, yeah. So, so all of them are talking. Well, so, so, so Sam and Bucky and Zemo are talking. Uh, and then John Walker and Lamar comes in. And then uh, while they're, while that happens, the Dora Milaje come in. And just kind of break up the whole scene. And of course, John Walker does uh, does a John Walker then, and like you know, trying to trying to uh, smooth things over, but also trying to be you know, he's being John Walker. He rolls. He's trying. Up. He's tr- what he's trying to do is uh, uh, take charge of the situation. Right. And what he doesn't realize as he is that he is never in charge of the situation. Exactly. That he is not the alpha dog. He's not the alpha male or the alpha. Just, you know that's why I said alpha dog or alpha person in the room. Right. Because even because so, even Sam's like you. You might want to fight Bucky before you fight the Dora Milaje. <laughs> <laughs> which was which was a funny line. I'm like, yeah, this is not gonna go. But and sure enough, he was like he was like well. You know, I'm sure we could talk this out. Puts his hand on a um, on IO, and that's what starts the fight. So right. the big fight happened. I was like, dude, seriously. Yeah. I posted a I posted a meme on this, which I found hysterical. Yeah, you know, it was the uh, it, uh, it was it's on my Instagram at age underscore seventy. That's a it's not a, an original meme on my part, but I saw it and I thought it was apt. Which is uh, the Captain America. Um, uh, counseling video, and it says, "So, yes, you put your you, so so your dumbass put your hands on a door malage." <laughs> yes, I also I also saw that one, um, and retweeted it. But uh, so, so yeah, that happens. The fight happens. So I so what, what I thought was two Dora uh, were I think were three because I was thinking there were like two Dora just took down four dudes. Um, no, it was three. Yeah, I know, I know, but uh, but I was like, regardless, you know, they just came in and just mopped everybody. Um, including um, some people, you know, because you know Sam was basically trying to keep uh, keep um, from ki- uh, from killing John, um, and you know Battlestar got and got involved, but he got he got mopped and and Bucky, and there was that one little side before they actually got into the fight. Um, Sam's like, we got to stop this, <laughs> and and you uh, cut to John just getting just getting whopped by the door door and. Um, and oh, look at strong John. Time out, time out, time out. Hold that thought. What we left out was that Lamar Hoskins gets captured, and there's a bit in here. You know, there's a bit in here. When that was where, after that. What's that? We're past that now. Mm, no, because he was there at the fight. No, no, no. That's my point. We're we're past that now. But the point is, there's a time when, there's a time when, um, uh, what you call it, um, uh. Uh, what you call it? There's a time when wait, is it after this fight? Yeah, it was after the fight. Yeah, because that's when that's when the, what happens next. Gotcha, what gotcha, happens gotcha. Next happens. So yeah, big fight scene happens. Uh, um, um, John Walker gets 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 uh, gets like now the shield gets get rendered unusable for a minute because you know he's you know, uh, and we leave the fight with John's like sitting on the ground talking about they weren't even super soldiers, which which made me yeah. made me laugh to no end. I give Wyatt Russell a ton of credit for acting that particular bit of dialogue, even with the mask on, right. very well. Like right. you actually felt the 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 the, the 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 stupid bravado and the, his ego being shattered mm-hmm. Who's... in that particular delivery. Like you could see it. Right. And speaking of egos getting shattered, not necessarily egos, but um, 
something else also happens during the course of that fight in which and in the fact that AO basically disables and uh disables uh Bucky's arm by pretty much doing a, a nerve pinch or sorry because he knew she knew the way to kind of disable the arm detach the arm from him. Yeah, I was going to say no pun intended. Right. So um so that happens and um you know and you can kind of see it on Bucky's face like what the you know because he didn't know that that was going to happen and that they even talk about that it was like wait did you know that would happen as he's as he puts his arm back home and, and resets so you can see just how dejected he was you know when mm-hmm. he was like no and he, he was like because that that was also a mean that was also kind of going around you see him resetting his arm and the way his looked it was like yeah that's I see that look. I know what that look means <laughs> like he like that. And, and of course, that was a whole led to a whole discourse on on which is so stupid on um, on um, on social media about you know you know um, about so this was the, the defining thing from from the discourse from social media. I'm not going to go into it for it, but somebody was like, okay, basically it's like uh, so they don't trust them after you know the Wakandas don't trust them after um, don't trust Bucky after um, after everything they've ever done for him. I'm sitting here like. One, it's their tech. They could do what they want with it, you know. So why would they not have a fail safe in it just in case something happened? Like, and people are acting like, oh, he was he was all wronged, you know, for 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 them doing that. I'm saying like, y'all are so stupid. But do you also know the type of people that would do that anyway? Oh, that, right. That, I was about that to say, that. yeah, exactly. What I was going to say is the Wakandans. Uh, I think one 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 side of that is that the Wakandans still have issues with trust. Um, and for good reason, right? So there's definitely some, uh, th- there's definitely some good reason for them to put in, as you mentioned, fail safes for, uh, their technology that falls in that, that is being employed outside of its borders. So that makes perfect sense. Right. So, and actually I think we might've, we might've, um, oh, so yeah. And, and in the course of all that Zemo escapes through, uh, as, as Sam says, El Chapo style. And I think this might've been where we get the the conversation between, uh, Lamar and John about taking the serum uh, and the thing, uh, which led to uh, what happens next. So we can go ahead and kind of keep this rolling real fast. Um, mm-hmm. They they find Carly um, somewhere um, to kind of to. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. This is when Carly calls um, Sam's sister and like, I want to meet up with Sam, and but then she also kind of threatened him. She's like, Yeah, I want to make sure you don't know how serious. Which I kind of hated this part because it kind of made her more villainy that she's than she's kind of been in the you know and coming up to this. Like they were trying to make her a little bit more villainy than than you know what uh, originally kind of let off off that. But regardless, so this ends up with um, Sam and Bucky going to meet Carly. And then, mm-hmm. of course, John and, and uh, Lamar kind of following by him, behind them, and John doing the same thing he did earlier, and just kind of bust in at some point um, and, and try to try to try to take over the situation, which leads to another fight between uh, Carly and a couple of other other of the Spilex Smashers and Sam and Bucky, which leads to well, before that, right before that, um, Lamar gets captured and he gets himself out of the situation, which you know. Um, but also leads to, like I said, the, a fight between everybody uh, again at the end of that, which leads to uh, Lamar getting killed by Carly. Right. Um, which, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, a, it was a, I was like, ooh, I, you kind of f- felt it <laughs> in a way. She's like, she punched the smack out of the dude. Like, no, she kicked him. She kicked him. It was a, yeah, that's right. It was a, it was one of those, 
and and I hate to bring it, I hate to put it this way, but it was one of those things where I remember um, Chris Evans actually mentioning this, where in the transition from Captain America, First Avenger to Avenger, the first Avengers movie, and then to Winter Soldier, where they made more of a point of seeing how destructive Cap could be if he'd let loose just a little bit. Right. To people, and I, I, uh, I, and I recall noticing this specifically, specifically when we go through that opening scene in, uh, no, it's the opening, um, it's not the opening scene in in Winter Soldier because that's um, Cap meeting Sam, mm-hmm. but uh, Cap and you know Cap when he goes on that strike team mission with the Widow and the Shield strike team, where he um, jumps out of the plane with no shoot and you know and and. Uh, the uh, the 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 goal is to recapture the Lemurian star, mm. and as he gets on board and is running around the ship, literally kicking people off the ship right. with the force of one kick. That's essentially what we see here, <clears throat> where Carly is, um, you know, being full, you, you know using full on super soldier strength, and unfortunately, she kicks uh, Lamar Hoskins right into a pillar, yeah. and it's implied, it's strongly implied that he's dead. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel like the if the kick and punch, whatever it was, probably killed him before he even hit that pillar. But the pillar didn't help because you see him right. gets pretty much get slumped and and go over, and then John goes there, you know, uh, to, to to check on him, see you know, make sure to, to get him to see if he's still alive, and it's like you said, it was implied that he's dead, which causes him to get really angry, and everybody scatters, or not everybody, but the flag smashers kind of scatter in while he's doing mm-hmm. that, but he's upset. Uh, Sam and Bucky, I think, also leave at some point at this point. Um, I think Trump, maybe going after Flash because I can't remember which one it was, but um, so we just see John just getting very red, and then he jumps out the window down and and um uh onto a van which pretty much tells you right then and there that he took the serum if it wasn't right. clear that he took the serum at any point it was this um because it's actually kind of weird and funny because it kind of he had the you know even right leading up to that fight that part of the fight happening he was you know already feeling no 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 no, no. he bends the pipe before this, he bends right. the pipe, and that's the that's the first sign. True, and it's, if it's not obvious, you know, you know, if it's not obvious up until that point, right. that's the that's the first sign where, um, you know, like during this fight with the flag smashers, you see, you know, as they're as they're kind of um, uh, going around, um, uh, what you call it, uh, uh, beating up the flag smashers. You see John Walker bending a pipe uh, with his bare hands, right. and uh, Sam. Sam Wilson asks him, what did you do? And mm-hmm. he knows what he did, but right. nobody says anything, so it's still implied up until um, we get another exhibition of superhuman strength. Right. So, And, uh, and also, this part kind of kind of bummed me out, because it was like, so we knew it was going to get to this point at some, some power, and I, we kind of sort of figured either Lamar or what was shown to be his wife early on was was going to be the ones that get that gets sacrificed for this for this part to happen, but ended up being right. Star. Um so yeah, um so John Walker kind of chased after them. And oh I guess going back to the the point of the, the conversation that happened, there was a whole conversation that Lamar and, and John was having and they were basically and Lamar kind of equated taking the super soul river to being drunk in a sense. But also goes back to the um the the conversation that Erskine had with Steve 
like you kind of like you what you were saying uh going right. to, in in the first avenger about you know the superstorm only brings out more of the person you are and nothing you know and not necessarily anything extra or any difference so anyway cut to this uh, John Walker's mad, chasing down the the flag smasher that uh, that he catch, catches wind of, and beats right. the, the closest one. Yeah, it's the, yeah, closest, the closest one. one. It's not yeah. Carly; it's just the closest one. Right? Who so, was the, who was the same one that was talking to Carly at the cemetery site earlier? So there's there's fact. a little something in that. Uh, the fact that he was getting getting beat to death to actual death by the new Captain America after saying that he used to be a fan of uh, of Captain America from back in the day. So. Um, so yeah, so Sam, uh, so, so excuse me, Jam, John comes him down. They end up at this walker in front of a bunch of people, and John just takes the shield, the the blood, the the edge of the shield, and just keep uh, being down. I thought he was going to take his head off, but no, it's apparently implied, not. I was about to say, I think it's implied that that's what he did, or uh, yeah, or it beating his chest in one of the two. Exactly, exactly. I think it's implied that he took his head off Baron Blood style, right? Uh, because. You know, uh, you know, it's definitely a callback to that scene from Civil War, where I'm pretty sure there were some people unfamiliar with the character of Steve Rogers, who thought that maybe, just maybe, <laughs> Cap might behead Tony Stark. Right. But no, he was just taking out the arc reactor powering I, his armor. Right, I did and, see that reference. You know, ever the tactician, right? Mm-hmm. So, what ends up happening? So, as 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 Roddy Cat said. What ends up happening is that this entire display, th- this entire display of misdirected anger, because it's not like this guy killed Lamar, right? Right, and even says uh, that as much as 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 as, uh, as John kind of comes up on him. He's just the closest flag smasher. Mm-hmm. What ends up happening is that this entire scene plays out in public in the middle of the day mm-hmm. in the broad daylight, where people are. Uh, uh, taking out their cell phones and live streaming or recording or taking pictures, whatever they're doing, they are all putting this on record. And you get this, unfortunately, now sadly iconic image of John Walker standing up with blood at uh, sprayed across the edge of um, the shield. Right, and, and Carly's yeah. also also in the crowd seeing this because she had covered herself, you know, she had, had put her hoodie on, so, and she saw that. Exactly. The rest of the the rest of the flag smashers have all you know gone in different directions to try to blend into the crowd, and as as Roddy Cat mentioned, you get uh, an image of. Uh, Carly uh, trying to blend in with the crowd and seeing what happens. You see Sam and Bucky just too far away, too far away from what's happening to stop it. And it's, you know, and this is where the scene and this is where the story ends. Mm -hmm. And I was, I honestly was surprised that they went there, but I knew they were going there. Right. Like we knew it was going to get to this point at some, for some, in some kind of way. And like I said, I kind of hated it. It had to been Battlestar, but you know, sacrificing the black dude for, for, (laughs) as some folks have said, you know. Right. Well, unfortunately, they had to sacrifice somebody because uh, if, uh, I don't know if you read, um, you know, as part of maybe this, uh, the story, uh, the series coming up, if you read any of some of the uh, stories that, were part of John Walker's Captain America story. I, I remember it shortly after after real time reading it. So yeah, I do know what actually happened uh, in the comics. Right, exactly. Yeah. So what ends up happening in the comics is that a, that uh, John Walker's secret identity gets revealed, mm-hmm. right? 
And one of the things, one of the reasons behind having a secret identity is to protect, you know, is to protect people. It's not necessarily to protect yourself, it's to pre- protect other people from being targets. And in this case, that all that stuff comes to pass, all the fears surrounding having a, a, a secret identity come to pass where John Walker's secret identity uh, uh, comes out and his parents get targeted mm-hmm. by this group called the Watchdogs. And Unfortunately, as a result, you know, uh, uh, John Walker is unable to save his parents from getting killed in the middle of his battle with the uh, 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 with the watchdogs as he's trying to rescue them. And he goes absolutely berserk and just goes, you know, and, and, and bear in mind that John Walker in the comics is roughly as strong as Spider-Man. Sure. Yeah, like ten tons, like roughly, if I recall correctly, according to the old Marvel, the old Ohatmu's uh, official handbooks of the Marvel universe, he's roughly as strong as Spider-Man, right? Roughly in the ten-ton class, mm-hmm. and uh, he was absolutely tearing bodies apart in 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 this scene. And you know, this is the 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 mid to late '80s, and they they are only showing so much. It's not exactly the boys. But they were definitely um, uh, putting a lot of blood spatter in to 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 uh, imply that it was a pretty bloody scene. So uh, that is a part of the inspiration for this. Uh, uh, I would say heel turn. He was already a heel, but it's a more public heel turn, right? Where everyone realizes that maybe this guy isn't uh, the, the 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 person to uh, take up the shield and to pick up the and to carry the mantle. Right, so going into this next episode that's going to happen in a couple of hours from this recording, uh, we ought to see... Can't wait, like Blood uh, Scott, can't wait! (laughs) Exactly. We ought to see the repercussions of this public action uh, going on, which, you know, given how the, you know, how the comic ended up happening, probably the same thing is going to happen here, you know, which we'll we'll talk about uh, next week. So yeah, um, yeah, it was a it was a relatively good episode. You know, uh, it was pretty much more. I mean, this whole series has been pretty straightforward, but yeah, we we get to see the turn and and we got to see a damn good fight. You know, that would see uh, John get mopped before all this happened. Right. <laughs> right. So it, it did what it needed to do. Um, Absolutely. So to so to uh, to to their credit, uh, like yeah, they they did uh, as much as they needed to do in the time that they had, uh, you know, with this. And we only got two more episodes left. Um, you know, the the one that's coming out coming out in a couple of hours, and the next one after that. So you know, uh, but we we actually but a lot has happened. You know, in that you know because the, these episodes are not being broken down as much as um, uh, Wonder Vision was. Um, right, because there's there's fewer elements of, you know, and it, it, it's obvious there's fewer elements of magic and 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 the mysterious and the fantastical that could really happen here. Right. But eventually, but but ultimately, this is more of a, a character study of uh, the idea of Captain America, mm-hmm. alongside so many other uh, things that the showrunners and the writers are exploring in this. Right. Uh, so yeah, so listen, look out uh, next week when we talk about the episode five of uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and we'll right. see what happens. You know what's funny, real quick? What's that? Isn't it interesting that uh, a lot of the stuff that people bring up in uh, in and around this 
series is what people talked about when they first talked about when when is a lot of the discussion and the chatter that came up when they first revealed that Captain America was going to be one of the MCU movies. Mm-hmm. Is that how can this character way back in 2010 or 2009, or when they announced it, probably in 2008, right? Right? Was how could they make that character relevant? Mm-hmm. Right? And how could that character translate into the, in, into the current day? And the wisest thing that Marvel did was start out with an origin story set in the period of World War II, which is the character's origination, mm-hmm. right? Right. And, you know, it's a, it's a credit to the writing, and it's, a, and it's a credit to the films, and it's definitely a credit to Chris Evans and his acting and his portrayal of Captain America, which led a lot of people to accept the character and really put some of those questions to the side. And it took... Um, the Winter Soldier movie, and it took um, this series to really start to explore this particular uh, aspect of the characters. Like, how does Captain America fit into the 21st century? Right. But to be to be fair, I feel like that's the kind of the only way they could have done that. Like, yeah, you, I agree with everything you're saying, but it's like if they had just started off with, no, we just got Cap out of the art, uh, ice, and yeah, here's a quick flashback of what happened to it. Then or it's kind of taken up. That would have probably taken up space in another movie for something stuff, for other stuff that could have happened. Like, you know, yeah, no, they did it. They did it in a proper way, regardless of, of, of which. Right. Way it, no, because I think we yeah, exactly what I think is it's it's all about the execution, right? right? And I think that's what that was always a fear, right? Mm-hmm. How would they be able to uh, convince uh, people watching these movies that they should sympathize with someone from a bygone era? Right. Or you know, suppose you know a character from the by, from a bygone era, and I think they pulled it off, yeah, and it's right. to their credit. And I also give them credit for exploring these issues and these themes in some of the movies, and now they have more room to to, to explore it. Yeah, and they are going to take all the room for everything, um, <laughs> which is which is not a complaint. But you know, it's, it's like there's a lot of stuff that's coming down the pike, pipe. Right, <laughs> so right, that- right. And we all, you know, what's funny is that before we before we before we wrap this, because we still have another uh, uh, film thing to just quickly talk about. Mm. Um, we still haven't seen uh, another mention of Isaiah Bradley, right? Sure. So we'll see where they where they go with that. I kind of um, wonder if the they last actually two episodes. are. What's that? I kind of wonder if they actually are. Right. No, but but they may save that for a Young Avengers thing. We don't know. Maybe we don't know. We don't know. So we'll see. We will see. So yeah, as uh, we're moving past that, we're gonna bre- really briefly talk about because there's really not much to say about this. Is, uh, um, but we're going to talk really quickly about Godzilla versus uh, King Kong, which I found right. Saw. So more spoilers, more spoilers. Uh-huh. If you haven't watched Godzilla versus Kong, but guess what? They fight. It's in the title, so right. um, we're still gonna ring the spoiler bell just out of. Um, uh, just to be nice to the folks that really don't want to hear spoilers. So, spoiler alert for Godzilla vs. Kong in 3, 2, 1. You should probably go about 5 to 10 minutes ahead, I'm, maybe a little less than 10. Honestly, I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even, I wasn't going to say because there's really not much I have to really say about it outside of what probably more than what I said earlier. Ringing the bell. So, yeah, it, it happened. Uh, Kong vs. Uh, uh, you know, the, the thing finally. It took four, three movies to get to this point. 
you know, to get to this fourth movie, and here we are. Um, it's a big bus, but it's a blockbuster action film. Unlike, I mean, just like the others, it's, I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't really expect a whole, whole lot of it, a, a lot out of it, you know? So I guess my, my expectations for it was, was kind of baseline. It, I'm not saying it wasn't good or it was bad or not, but you know, it was, it is what it was. So yeah, but the whole, there was there were some things that could have been like I said I was telling Agent Seventy earlier that could have been like they so we're just gonna gloss over this the uh this the, the a couple of these issues huh um, right I mean they do the barest you know as as, as I was telling Rodicat um uh, uh, and I heard this this is not an original thought for me but I laughed mm-hmm. this is from Mark Bernardin on uh, from Fat Man Beyond this past week where he talked about the movie and he said that this is essentially that that much of the movie is can be described as a as a this is as a as a story of so what had happened was mm-hmm. because a lot of it is just moving from set piece to set piece they do the barest the barest amount of work to create motivation for characters you know you get yeah. Godzilla attacking um uh, Pensacola Florida uh, um he's attacking a apex cybernetics uh plant and everyone's like, why is he attacking? He's supposed to be a protector. But, you know, if anyone has is familiar with these uh, monster movies, you know that uh, uh, the, uh, these monsters don't attack unless they're being drawn by something. You know, traditionally it was something like nuclear radiation. But in this case, the plot is, and I sa- as I said, we rang the spoiler bell, the plot is about this um, character who is the head of Apex uh, Apex Cybernetics, who is not a fan who? of the Titans, right. the, the, as these monsters in in the in the legendary monsterverse are called, and he's looking for a way to regain uh, Alpha Predator level of uh, you know for humans. And here's where I start having here's what I have about it because this character comes out of nowhere. Another character who is similarly named for another character who was um, who was in the last couple of movies. Who is no longer around? Who apparently might have had a cameo in this movie that I missed. Um, uh, th- th- like people just kind of show up out of nowhere. Uh, right. Characters and from it's the shame, other. It's a shame that they didn't bring back the character from the King of the Monsters movie, who we see in the post-credit scene. Uh, exactly. Uh, take hold of, right. Take hold of you know, and this is spoilers for also Godzilla King of the Monsters, folks. Sorry. Right. But. He takes hold. He takes uh, control of a piece of Ghidorah. Mm-hmm. They couldn't come up with money for Charles Dance for the next movie. I'm sitting there, so yeah, right, exactly. So I'm like, okay, so he just goes and gets this this, this Ghidorah here from some from somebody, and that's it. Like, okay, like I was expecting, like, all right, he's just going to continue going on on this movie. He's going to be the one that's kind of somewhere in the midst of this. But no, they're just like, no, he's nowhere to be seen. You right. Know? Uh, these this, like I said, this 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 uh, this dude just shows up somewhere. We see uh, like I said, someone who put, potentially is probably related to a character that died in uh, Godzilla: King of the Monsters, but they don't do anything with them outside of yeah. You know, he's just here and he's uh, he's like uh, doing a thing. Uh, don't even get his motivations for doing all. Although you can kind of, if you've seen Godzilla: King of the Monsters, you can kind of imply it. But we don't get none of that, uh, right? If that's the case. Um, why hasn't there been any, any reference to Pacific Rim? Because I don't. Because for the life of me, there is no way in the world you watch this movie if you've seen uh, Pacific Rim and not say that there's not a, a tie. There even it's the same company. Even 
that but that's right. behind this movie. Right. Like with all with a lot of the stuff that kind of see, especially with Apex or Cybernetics or whatever the case may be, all the stuff that was going on with that, with what they end up doing. How do we not get a, a, a Pacific Rim uh, crossover? Licensing, folks. Licensing. As the as the resident uh, lawyer on the panel, True. it's all licensing. True. Because unfortunately, Toho licenses these characters to um, to legendary. But getting back to the movie. I definitely agree with Roddy Cat on that point, though. It definitely felt very uh, apt that Pacific Rim should have been like a post-credit scene, like, oh, this is where the the the, the Jaeger program comes from, right? Right. So, yeah. So ultimately, um, you know, we we get to uh, what King Kong has been doing, which is growing, and we also find out that there's been some issues with Skull Island, so he's living inside this modified artificial habitat, and. Um, right. Somehow they caught Kong, uh, probably while he was sleeping or something. Put something in his in his, uh, in, in his dinner or something, and they shipped him off right. and put him in this uh, in in, his, in the uh, in the danger room. Right. <laughs> uh, That's a big danger room. Yes. That's a gigantic danger room. That is as big as like a. It's probably like two football fields, if not three, to give right. him room to to swing around in. But he senses what's going on, and right. he throws some, um, you know, he throws some modified. Uh, he he throws some makeshift spears into the uh, into the roof, which we saw but, in, in Kong, which you saw, you know, him doing a similar thing in uh, Skull Island, you know, right. Like we know, right. you, could, you know, if you so if you watch the, the so real quick the order if you've not known about it they've been trying to make this into a whole MCU situation, uh to to decent, you know decent affair so Kong Skull Island which is a real stupid movie silly movie uh Godzilla <laughs> from uh Godzilla from a couple of years earlier because I think that Godzilla movie from 2014 came out after Kong uh, uh, Kong Skull Island and then um, then Godzilla then King of the Monsters then this no it's the other way what it's the other way it's, no Godzilla came out first then Skull Island no, that's what I'm, no but what I'm saying but chronologically Skull oh Island yes first. yes yes because Skull Island is set Vietnam era right Exactly, exactly. So chronologically, yes, in terms of the, the time sets in the movies, Roddy Cat is uh, absolutely correct where Kong um, has been active since roughly Vietnam era time because that's when that movie is set. Right. And, um, you know, Godzilla, the first Godzilla movie set in more present, uh, more present day. So, um, you know, we get some, some – obviously it's a Godzilla movie – uh, monster movie, so we get some uh, some hokey some hokey science where they're talking about uh, uh, traveling to the uh, the Hollow Earth, which was explored in the in the King of the Monsters movie, and they're worried about um, this uh, reverse gravitational effect. I'm like, why don't they just go the same way they did when they found Godzilla in the underground trench? So here's my thing about that. They, I'm like, come on! I, I agree with you on that, but at the same time, I'm like. They while they did mention it, especially in this thing about this hollow earth, was like I don't think that was very clear to me in King of the Monsters that that's where they were. Like I feel like I know they did mention it or at some some throwaway line of that, but um, because even with uh, Bradley Whitford talking about you know the whole hollow you know the pipes or whatever exactly. that, that's what he was talking about. So yeah, I know it was mentioned, but I was like they didn't really make it that po- they make that point clear that that's what that was outside of some right. throwaway line. Right. Anyway. So what they 
Right. What they talk about here is that they're trying to explore. And one of the characters had, I, was it a brother that died on an expedition into the hollow earth? Right. Uh, but, um, the bad guy here, the CEO of Apex, is like, oh, I've got tech to be, you know, that, that, that can withstand the, the gravitational, the reverse gravitational effects, and they can travel there. So, you know, um, uh, they end up. Um, hatching this weird plan to have Kong lead them to Hollow Earth because they have theorized that Skull Island is an outpost of Hollow Earth on the Earth's surface. Right, And And so they want to have Kong guide them through the Hollow Earth via uh, an entry into the Hollow Earth in Antarctica. Right, which I guess is sort of, it's sort of a callback to King of the Monsters where Godzilla is... You know, in the ice over there? No, that was that wasn't Godzilla. That was um King of the Monsters. That was no 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 that, that was Ghidorah that was in ice. Oh, it was Ghidorah in the ice? Okay. Yeah. It wasn't Ghidorah that was in ice. That's yes, Cause, yes, yeah, because yes, yes. Godzilla was already uh, already running around at that point. Right, right, right. Ghidorah was in the ice. Right. I'm, Ghid- I, I'm actually remembering a Toho movie now. Right. But uh, <laughs> and I'm yeah, and I haven't seen these movies, you know, in the last week. So it was like you know, surprisingly I remember way too much than I thought I would of these movies. <laughs> they so, were, yeah. so, right, right. so, so as Roddy Cat said, uh, which we'll call, I, I'm, I'm presuming that, that it's close to, that's where the hollow yes, earth I believe that's, Yes, I believe that is, so, that is implication. Right, so uh, so they, they put they put Kong, they knock Kong out somehow, right? They've gotten good at poison, at, at, at giving him sleeping pills. Right. And uh, they, they 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 get him hoisted onto a a, a boat, a barge, or a tanker, tr- or, or or a tanker, and they're floating him to the Antarctic. And of course, of course, who senses a possible threat to his alpha ness? Right. Even though they made great pains to try to stay out of the way of of his known traffic and try to right. sort of away from him. So, so yeah. of course, Godzilla comes. Yeah. Um, and uh, they have a weird fight where somehow uh, Kong finds himself surfing on an aircraft carrier, which somehow still stays afloat when Godzilla uh, uh, jumps on top of it. Right. I was exactly. I was sitting here like, first of all, first of all, I, okay, we're talking about this way too much than I thought, than I thought we were. But um, but. This is why I, I. This is why I said we should leave a few minutes for. I know, but I didn't want to. Cause I know we're kind of, we're kind of trying to push them down. But, but yeah, you. I trust me. I, there was a lot. I, I even told Age of Seven that there is a lot I could say about this dumb, dumb movie if I thought about it. Uh, um, it. I shouldn't call it dumb because it was actually alright. But it's. It, they were all kind of dumb in some points. Regardless, Kong jumps from one aircraft carrier to another. It does not sink. Kong's a you know, big ass buoyancy is you know buoyancy is a principle that keeps these big heavy ships afloat. But if you're putting that much force, that much weight, jumping from ship to ship, you don't think these things are going to crack, break, exactly. sink? And they so, both end up on one of them in their fight. And I was like, there's no way. I was like, because I decided to start thought of I was like, wow, that's a well-built aircraft carrier. <laughs> but like, I know better. It's like, no, the weight of one of these jokers w- would be kind of taxing. And then they probably made, obviously, since they, they grabbed Kong from Skull Island. And they kind of mentioned, they, that because there's this little deaf girl that, uh, that that is in the picture early on, um, who is apparently, you know, has some sway over Kong. 
Uh, right. She's, she's It's revealed that she's communicating with him via a form of sign language. And she's the most adorable thing about this movie. That's all I can say about that. But anyway, um, but so that's a whole thing. That's the thing. And they kind of couched that in law. Oh, yeah. Her family was a was was one of the families that was still on Skull Island. And somehow that storm that was already around Skull Island got worse or something. I don't know. Right. It was like that, that whole thing was like that's. Or it was a storm that was with Ghidorah that was kind of going along, I guess. I don't know. They never really make any decisions about it. Yeah, they don't make it clear. That's so, just weird. That's yeah. kind of like a callback to some of the some of the King Kong movies where, like, the weather around Skull Island, like, the the, the, the seas around Skull Island are really bad. Right. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, th- so this battle ends up ending because... Uh, 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 they play you know, dead. King Kong, yeah, King Kong uh, is, is, is is kind of beat up a little bit, and they they essentially have the entire fleet play dead. Right. To be fair, yeah, he almost drowned because you, he's you know you're fighting in Godzilla's uh, element. It's kind of bound to have when it gets dragged up, and Kong was trying to keep him over. And the humans actually helped a little bit. So, but um, right. so yeah, but they end up playing playing dead, and kind of Kong's like, all right, whatever. And then Godzilla's just like, all right, peace, I'm out. I, I did. My job here is done. I'm out. Um, exactly. He's just like, all right, you know, you know, you know, get to stepping. Right? right. That's essentially the look he gives too. Pretty much. <laughs> and right. and and so here's a, here's one of those. So what had happened was moments, mm-hmm. right? So at this point, somehow, they again they sed- they, they they sedate Kong, but somehow they get him on a cargo net, and they can airlift him. To the Antarctic, so that they don't have to worry about alerting Godzilla to his presence again. Right. So, um, so Eric Northam, Northman, uh, say pretty much says, hey, "Yeah, how's he, how's Kong about um, flying?" Because yes, it's the same actor actor from True Blood that played that that character. Um, okay. Some of the, some folks might know because I don't think I've seen him in a minute. Uh, that's, that's the reason why I'm saying. It. I know either him and his brothers have been working in one way or another. But um, anyway, uh, so yeah, th- so that happened that they left him there uh, and Alderker and be like, yeah, your way is home. So go, you know, go home. And they they follow him down into the place that apparently um, Hollow Earth is like down in near the. the I, we I assume near the Curator Earth. We don't. That's not even playing. But there's basically a, a, a time warp in the middle of Earth. <laughs> I mean, not a time warp, but there's a there's a hyperspace lane in the in the in the uh, there are hyperspace lanes underneath the Earth, uh, and this one ended up going there, and you know, basically what ended up happening there's a power source thing that ends up coming into play later on, and Kong still somehow uh, when this power source gets gets woken up by uh, Kong's Mjolnir <laughs> uh, substitute. Uh, Godzilla somehow just uses his atomic vessel and just drills through the earth. Which I was about to say, uh, I was about to say just real quick before you know, because I know we're getting to the good part, right? But right. there's another team of uh, of human characters that we're right. meant to follow, and it involves um, uh, Millie Bobby Brown's character and that uh, that annoying kid from Deadpool. I was going to say, oh wait, was he from Deadpool? Deadpool two. Oh, I never. Okay, that's why. Okay, I, I hadn't seen it. Oh yeah, okay. you know, like this. You know, this this kid's like mildly annoying. So yeah, so there are like two different movies going on here. Two two almost three different movies going on here at the same time. Basically, uh, Millie Bobby Brown's character is the same one from from King of the Monsters, and also uh, I I keep wanting to call him Ron Livingston, but it's basically bootleg bootleg Ron Livingston. Kyle Chandler plays the dad. Um, 
and I say that because they both did a, a version of Friday Night Lights, so you know, that's right. not a, you know, that's pretty, you know it is what it is on that one, and they look right. so much alike. Anyway, so they're kind of sidelined, but Millie Bobby Brown just like should have been grounded or, or chained up or something because she gets into trouble with uh, Brian Tyree uh, Henry, who whose character I don't care, didn't care too much about because he's, he's basically playing the conspiracy give, uh, conspiracy. Right, he's a guy. conspiracy theorist podcaster. Right. I mean, come on, can you not make us look bad? So, <laughs> so, you know, so essentially, you know, uh, uh, Millie Bobby Brown and, 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 and this other kid, Josh find the, you know, find, um, um, Brian, uh, David, uh, Brian Tyree. Brian Tyree is it yeah. Brian? What's his name? Brian Tyree Henry. Oh, Brian Tyree Henry. I was about to say, I couldn't remember his last name. Mm -hmm. Brian Tyree Henry, they find, you know, the three of them meet up and they essentially uh, uh, go on the hunt because he is um, uh, also uh, an employee of this Apex company in Pensacola, in Pensacola, in Florida. Right. He embedded himself in in there to, to to, to get to the truth. Right, exactly. They break in on the search for the truth, and they and they see and they find a way to um to get to the Apex headquarters in Hong Kong because somehow Apex has created an underground monorail, monorail, monorail. Right, they they they, they, they hyperlooped it so, to Hong Kong. Yeah, they straight up made a hyperloop. Now, so here's what I'm thinking about that. Okay, I can see why. So, so there was an attack. So the attack that of Godzilla early in the movie pretty much led to the 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 Pensacola base wings of war uh being being abandoned but you would think they would have disabled the hyperloop from there well they were still evacuating their tech i suppose but they had gotten yeah. the important stuff out of there so you would think they would have right. you know, especially the thing especially the thing that drew godzilla exactly but and not only that but why was there no security at any place what are you gonna do until later when they got caught? You know, but right, like, right, right. So anyway, they, so they they go there, they get caught, they end up in Hong Kong through this hyperloop because you know some more shipments of uh, skull 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 walkers, whatever they call them from from Kong, the the, the original Kong, not the original Kong, but the skull skull island movie, skull island, right? Uh, and we don't know whether, but end up kind of come to find out. The long story short, they end up coming across the fact that uh, this company is making Mechagodzilla. And right. that ends up getting called away. And Mecha Godzilla comes into play. And here's where the Pacific Rim things comes in because apparently they are they are controlling that Jaeger style, with the exception of this one person by this other character that like I said comes up in this movie for no reason except for the fact that it's the same name of a, a character that died in uh, uh, King of the Monsters. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, it's the, it's the classic it's the classic Serizawa name from all the Godzilla movies. Right. So, um. But so, uh, but, there, but again, know, no no tie on that whatsoever. No, which no they don't been. explain a damn thing about this character. Yeah. He's just he's the token Japanese guy, right? So and it's a it's a shame because the Sarazawa name is supposed to mean something in the Godzilla canon. Right. So you know, and obviously Doctor Sarazawa in uh, uh, Godzilla and King of the Monsters, right. the previous two played a big role. Shout out to Ken Watanabe. Um, Exactly. So, but getting back to this, so as Roddy Cat said, the King Kong team, right? We'll call them King, the King Kong team. Sure. Make their way to uh, the Hollow Earth following uh, Kong, and as Roddy Cat mentioned, you get the glowing axe, right? Which apparently is it consists of a dorsal fin plate from Godzilla or one of his ancestors, right? Right. And you know he gets the power. He See, charges right. it up. Hold on. Right. Where was that? Where was that explained? Was the where the, there was a it was from Godzilla it was a, a plate from Godzilla. Where was that explained? 
or Godzilla's ancestors. It's not explained. It's just implied. See what had happened was that's what I'm saying. I didn't even get that point. I was like, wait. <laughs> well, so it's implied from some of the dialogue that there was an ancient war and they're sure. ancient enemies. Right, but I didn't get so, that from that. So I got you. I got you. I got you. So. So, so as Roddy Cat, so this was this was my favorite crazy part of the story, and Roddy Cat hit it, and, and just as he was describing it, because he was so, 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 so uh, um, wanting to get to this part, because I don't blame him for it. Um, you know, they're in the Hollow Earth, and uh, what call it, and, and Godzilla is is heading to, to to Hong Kong because he senses Mecha Godzilla being active, mm-hmm. right? That's what drew him to, to Florida, so that's what's drawing him to Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and. He senses that 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 King Kong is, is is alive and running around in the Hollow Earth. So what does he do? He's powerful enough to blow a hole from the Earth's crust in Hong Kong, all the way down, drilling all the way down, not hitting anything else, right. going all the way down into the Hollow Earth where 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 King Kong is is standing. And I'm sitting here thinking, in like, okay, if he had hit the like. Did that beam actually keep going, or was that where it stopped? Because if he hit the Earth core, we would all have been should have been messed. We all been messed. Exactly. I'm like, wait. Let's back up for a second. The premise of this movie is that it's Godzilla versus King Kong. Godzilla literally burrowed a hole with his atomic breath all the way down through the Earth's crust. What on Earth is going to stand up to that? That just so happens to hit the exact spot where Kong and the uh, and the rest of the, the Kong team were happened to be in his throne room in Kong's right. whatever throne room. Right. So, you know what? And there's a reason why I'm glad that you were harping on the whole digging to the whole uh, hollow earth thing, because that, that this gets referenced, referenced later. I'm like, what, why, what, what's going on here? So, so what's my So, so Kong has to climb up through the hole that Godzilla creates. Right. Right. And right? I was so, expecting, I was expecting, <laughs> well, okay, well, clearly Godzilla makes this hole. He's just going to jump down there and be like, no, we, 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 this is about to be on and away from everybody. No, that doesn't happen. Mind you, everybody converges on, on Hong Kong at this point because you see, um, um, it's like the Kong team is, is still in Hollow Earth at this point, but they're trying to get away. Well, they're, some of them are trying to get away because of, because of what happened. Uh, the, the, um, the Apex people are already there. Uh, right. Ron's lifts is the people who are apparently is part of is back with Monarch. I guess Monarch is right. going to go now. And a criminally underused Lance Reddick shows up for like five seconds. Right, right. He's supposed to be the head of Monarch. Right. I actually read into this. He's supposed to be the head of Monarch, but they cut his scenes. They, they um, none of that is explained. He appears out of nowhere. Right. But he's one of the he's one of the actors listed in the credits at the at the, at the front too. So I'm like, where's Lance Reddick? Like he comes in for a scene. Like how? I hope he got paid well for that. But I'm like, what are you doing? He had apparently a more uh, a more uh, uh, lengthy scene that was uh, that was cut down. But um, but um, <laughs> <Kong-a>. on. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I was about to say no, no. Um, the shout out to uh, Sarayu in the chat talking about King Kong and Hong Kong. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Oh, I see you. I see you. <laughs> Good job, Sarayu. No. I see you on the chat. <laughs> but yeah. So, 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 um, get uh, so as as King Kong climbs out of this thing, he, you know, they this is where the big showdown comes, mm-hmm. and it's a two part showdown. It's you know, it's it's a it's a two round battle here. So we get uh, King Kong now equipped with this battle axe, his glowing battle axe, 
and he takes it to Godzilla and knocks Godzilla out uh, uh, for you know for a brief count. Right, and as they say, as they say, well, I guess round two goes to Kong. Right, (laughs) and I'm just like, oh, wait a second here. So so this is the that literally blew a hole into the center of the earth. I don't think that's going to take him down. Right. So so exactly. So here's my so. Before this fight happened is where I started saying, well, this is going to... Here, herein lies the inevitable part about this. So, yeah, so that whole fight happens. You know, uh, Kong gets the upper hand uh, for this brief moment. Mecha Godzilla shows up. Kong and Godzilla... Uh, well, wait, excuse me. No, no, not yet. No, no, yet, no because no, now no. this is my... Now we're getting to my favorite part of the movie, so, which is in like... Godzilla a... chains King Kong his ass. Right. Yes. Uh, sorry, uh, I, team Godzilla, I was rooting for Godzilla. Right. This movie is meant to have you root for and sympathize with King Kong, but I was cheering on my living room couch <laughs> like, yes, All Godzilla right. handed King Kong his Ass. Right, so that Had happens. Whimpering, right. whimpering. Right, Brett, and pretty much just uh, almost, yeah. So, right, so that happens. You know, um, Kong is kind of down, and it's like he's and Godzilla just steps on him, like actually steps, like steps on me, step on me, Daddy. Just steps on him, yells at him. <laughs> right, uh, they yell at each other. They yell at each other, but, but no, but yeah, but, but Godzilla's like ah. And then Godzilla's like, ah, and then and then this is like, okay, um, you're right. <laughs> and and Kong's just kind of just laid out there and he just gets so dejected that he almost dies. He <laughs> um but they get this plane to jump out of the start with that other the other vehicle that they get from uh and now here's the other the other thing. So the the team that was still down in Hollow Earth uh flies back up, which is pretty much um Rebecca Hall, uh Alexander Skarsgård and this other little girl whose name I'm that's uh, escaping me. Cute little girl. D- little, d- um, um but they come back up, fly into the battle uh while this is going on, not almost gets hit by uh uh King Kong, but flies pretty much parallel to the beam to uh Godzilla's beam. I'm saying like how did right. you not disintegrate being that close to the beam? So what had happened was uh, right. <laughs> So anyway, so the rest of that happened. It's a, you know, Kong's down. They do the thing. Meanwhile, this is when Mechagodzilla comes up and mops Godzilla. Um, right, and which is wild to me. Wild to me that they have a dueling battle of atomic breath beams, and Godzilla loses. Right, he literally just blew a hole into the center of the earth. <laughs> but but hey, technology, you know, just um, saying, lasers, <laughs> all that. So so that happened. Oh oh wait. Dragon Ball thing where he's already used up a lot of energy, so his next attack isn't as big. Sure, maybe pretty much, yeah. And I love the fact that uh, Age of Seventy is, is watching Dragon Ball, so he can get that extra reference. But yes, um, so this this does me this makes me very happy, and I can't wait till he gets to see. Anyway, it's not as strong now because he's used it up drilling to the center of the Earth. Right. So okay, so we missed one part in which um, um, Mecha Godzilla pretty much goes rampant because of the fact that um, uh, they get this new power source and the power source causes, causes havoc with uh, with things and causes dude um, that's piloting him, remote piloting him to, I guess, see we still don't even know what happened with that because we never see this dude again um, after this. 
So basically, I, I'm assuming that his brain gets transferred into uh, Mechagodzilla, and Mechagodzilla, who was already probably kind of a part of a living computer type thing, just goes just goes sentient or to a point, whatever the case may, whatever the closest whatever the closest thing was, right. and just goes what's one implied, them up. Right. What's implied? I guess what I'm doing is uh, uh, bringing in some of my Toho. Um, experience, right. you know, like the, the 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 Toho movie watching experience. Whereas I think what's implied is that Ghidorah's consciousness takes over, right? Okay. Because I don't think uh, 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 Ren Serizawa—that's the character's name. Right. I don't think he's connected long enough. I think he's just like short circuited or whatever. He's killed or or at least knocked out. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> I know. See what had happened was right. So it's implied that 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 Ghidorah's consciousness takes over and so um that's where all of that stuff comes from where he kills the bad guy and he breaks out of the mountain and the, and and like, as you said he's wrecking Godzilla and it takes a team up to beat as of course it takes a team up of Godzilla and Kong to beat right. uh almost uh, Batman uh, right Batman Superman style they they end up having to team up after after just fought and and going after this other enemy no, I mean that's tradition. It's tradition know, amongst know, all of these still, versus type battles. Yeah, it's but tradition. it's also the closest, you know, you know, the closest one to this in you know, the big blockbuster situation. So, right. But, so, so they they basically have Godzilla absorb, soak up all the damage, and and Kong gets to run in and and and, and finish the job because right. uh, Godzilla superpowers his uh, he powers up his his axe. Right. This is like, oh, let me give him since uh, fine, we're not enemies. Well, let me power up his axe so that he can get the finishing blows in. You know, because uh, let's face it, it, out of the three of them, Kong would have been outmatched. As much as I hate to say it, Kong would have been outmatched if it was a one-on-one with uh, Mechagodzilla and, 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 and he... Yeah, that would have been bad. Yeah. Um, you know, Kong no slouch, but still, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so at the end of the movie, uh, <laughs> I, I love... I know the mocap had to been pretty fun for this. I, I would assume. So, and they're in, again, they're in Tokyo, and it's all neon. And so, mind you, I think this is probably Hong Kong. Hong Kong. They're in Hong, Hong Kong. Kong. Excuse me, Hong Kong. Yes, yes, yes. So, this is probably the closest to anywhere or to anywhere near Japan that they think they've gotten in any of these movies. I don't know why I'm, that's a point that I'm that I'm bringing up, but it, I felt like that was the thing I thought about in the course of that last fight. But mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, Kong kind of sits down because like yeah the fight's over he's leaning up against the building all you know like who I'm tired you know and this is where the part in the buddy cop no, movie no, no, I was about to say no I was about to say we left out the fact that the humans actually had a part in them beating Mechagodzilla because Mechagodzilla was actually killing them too well killing Godzilla where they all they did was and it was a it was it was it was it was it was funny right but I felt bad at the same time because I thought they were like attacking me for having you know like HTML skills from the 90s right. um so oh know, yeah so, yeah 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 so basically yeah so the, the, the human component in this which is Millie Bobby Brown this little, this kid and Brian Terry uh, Henry are still in the apex base and they're like well we did the, you know you know uh, Mechagodzilla is still connected so we got to do something so they end up pouring which I didn't expect it to come up in this way but I guess this was this was probably the best way it was going to come up Brian Terry Henry's character had this bottle of uh had this bottle of alcohol that he was saving for when he yeah. pretty much given up hope uh, this so, was Japanese whiskey, like really, really highfalutin Japanese whiskey. I don't know if it was sake, but it was definitely Japanese alcohol. Exactly, right, which uh, I've been seeing a lot of that lately. So, um, or you know, just just out and about. So that's kind of funny. But anyway, um, or Japanese whiskey, anyway. But um, so yeah, this, so the, so the kid Josh takes the bottle, pours it over the console, and you know, 
you he know, shorts everything out, out and right. that's how kong and godzilla can gain the upper hand right so i'm sitting here like okay that i guess that went the way it was supposed to go because you've seen scenes like that before it's like either they were going to kick the whole thing or or beat it up or some kind of way or pour some pour some water on it you know it was going to be one of those three and that's what they do or you know and, and that happens and yeah so sure they did help <laughs> sure right so right so 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 as Radikat was getting getting at the two monsters just before the end of the movie right because kong basically takes a takes a takes a break he literally yeah. just has to sit down and be like, like yeah this was tired <laughs> <laughs> right and then godzilla you know you hear the roar and and you see uh, uh kong stand up he grabs the axe and you know it's obviously symbolic as they're facing off one last time as the the humans are just like oh we're all going to die right um kong drops his axe right buries his axe you know and godzilla walks away right yeah and and, and godzilla kind of looks like you know yeah i'm going to let you i'm going to let you cook you did help me out there so and then he just walks on off like just strolls on off and we see mm-hmm. we see uh godzilla in the front and we see you know uh kong in the back and they're just chilling you know so so uh but at the at the very end of it we uh, we end up with uh, Kong back in Hollow Point or Hollow Earth, um, and the the survey t- and the the King Kong team pretty much set up shop down there as opposed to where they had them, you know. And right. That's pretty much, uh, and we see again the little girl, you know, who's been talking to Kong, um, you know, uh, and the movie just ends. Sadly, right. I was expecting there to be, uh, for some strange reason, I expected there to be an end credit scene for setting up something else. I don't know what possibly could it have been. Right, um, right. I mean, the news, the news was talking about how this is supposed to be the fulfillment of the Toho contract or the right. legendary contract with Toho. Right. So if they're going to continue this or if um, all the rights are going to revert back to Toho or Toho is going to license them to another studio, that's anyone's guess. Well, did but Toho... Interest- didn't Toho pretty much uh, go their own way and do... Because uh, Shin Godzilla is pretty much Toho. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. But the point is whether or not the, they're willing to let Legendary continue on with sure. this monster verse. Right. That's what I mean. Or if they're just going to uh, let it lay fallow for a little while, let it lay quiet for a little while, and then re- restart it. It's not... It's it's something that Toho has done in the past. Um, but it's interesting that... Um, what I read is that that uh, observation post on the Hollow Earth thing <clears throat> mm-hmm. was supposed to be the end credit, tra- uh, end credit stinger. Oh, uh, okay. But they uh, made it part of the movie. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Because that would have been like, yeah, all right, sure. That that would have been a weak one if they had. Um, right. So I'm glad we had a chance to complain about this because I had had a chance to. Com- I had a few uh, a few chances to talk about the movie and complain about it, but um, I have thought on all four of those movies. Uh, believe you me, but yeah, they're not worth getting to yeah, at this point. Yeah, exactly. What's funny is that they definitely listened to some of the fan critique going from Godzilla moving into the next movies because a lot of people complained. You only saw Godzilla for like brief glimpses in the first movie because it's oh. dark, rainy. He, you see him as the doors are closing, and that's the worst. Right. Or as I saw in a in an honest trailer for Kong Island, um, and and I had a problem with this too. Like no one sees Kong sneak up. On them, <laughs> big ass King Kong. No one hears this. Like he just pussyfooting around Kong Island. No one hears this. Ever. That's funny. I gotta like, watch what? that honest trailer. Yeah, it, it was. It was actually. It was like because because I had the director and then he, you know, um, 
in it. And I was like, that's kind of weird to have on, a, on one of these, but I know they've probably they have done that before. But yeah, so anyway, um, yeah, check out honest trailers if you, uh, if you get a chance. Some of those things are actually kind of funny. Some right. of them. I mean, listen, overall, I enjoyed Godzilla vs. Kong yeah, sure. because it was just fun. But as Roddy Cat said, there's just so many crazy twists in the story. Like, how do we get here? Right. Like, granted, it's, I, I suspect it's supposed to be like, no, nah, just don't think about it too much as a blockbuster. Just let it roll. Just, just let it wash mm-hmm. over you. But that was still kind of hard to do. <laughs> right. And I do. And I honestly agree with some people's thoughts that I kind of wish I had been at a movie theater to watch it. Yeah, sure. Sure. Just to kind of be bathed in the sound and the spectacle. Sure. Yeah. You know, just kind of feel it around you. Yeah, totally. I can see that because it was pretty much made for that. You know, right? But that's right. Situation. You know, like I don't know. You know, everyone's home setups vary. I I do have a subwoofer, so I do feel the bass, but I don't have surround sound in the living room. Yeah, I got kind of half of it. Like I got pretty much got the front part of it. I don't have the right. The, exactly. I just have a sound. I have like a really good sound bar mm-hmm. to to boost. You know, to get good audio, and I've got a subwoofer. Right. But I I you know I don't have like the biggest TV in the world. Wow. You know, but um. But yeah, like part of me is just like I I would have liked to watch this movie in the theaters, um, you know, and really get get that cinematic experience. Yeah, but it's ridiculous, and there we are. So we're going to move on because we are kind of uh, we get to yeah the main we went thing. pretty long on these, but it was fun because you know they were just fun experiences. So definitely, I recommend watching the movie just because it's fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. But if you haven't watched any of the uh, any of the previous ones, I would say go ahead and do that to kind of because you would, then you will be because if you don't, you'll be more of what what because the only through the real the only real through line in all of the movies are Monarch, like that's right. it because pretty much like from movie to movie, like characters end up either characters show up or don't show up or characters show up for a couple of movies and then just inexplicably either die or a character shows up, like we said earlier, shows up and then don't show up in the next movie where you would think they would. Right. So it's, it's kind of ridiculous, but yeah, but you at least get that. I agree. Yeah. All right. So we're going to transition over to regular old comic news. We sure. Are. Well, well, to kind of, comic reviews. Yeah. 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 And we're going to start off with uh black hat. I guess we're going to, we can kind of sort of rectify a couple of these after this, after this one, but black hat number five is what we're going to start off with. Right. Uh, Black Cat number five is written by Jed McKay with art by Michael Dowling, colors by Brian Reber, and letters by Ferran Delgado. So we get here the reveal of the actual plot that the uh, sil- that the that the uh, that the fox that um, what call it that the black fox I want to call him the silver fox that the black fox. Uh, has been hatching that Felicia Hardy has been helping to implement over the entire course of Jed McKay's run on Black Cat. Mm-hmm. Oh, there we go. Um, so yeah, that's so yeah. I, I basically said in my notes. There's a lot of exposition here that either we should have known by now or have not known anything about, and we're just getting here in the in a kind of touching exposition dump. Like they did it. They did it probably in the best way they could, um, but it worked out because like, like I wasn't really complaining about it. But it's like there's a lot of exposition coming up front for for what's going on here, going into this next part, right? Um, which was needed, honestly. Cause, oh, like, definitely, with- definitely, because a lot of this and 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 one of the things that came up as Roddy Cat and I were trying to decide on what book to talk about up front 
was that uh, in this issue, we find out a lot of the things that we had speculated upon, right. which were the connections of the New York Thieves Guild and how that was connected to the greater Thieves Guild uh, around the world and throughout the United States, which is a concept that we were introduced to back in, um, you know, the Jim Lee X-Men days, mm-hmm. you know, with Kandra and, and Belladonna in New Orleans and Gambit being part of the Thieves Guild and that being a really integral part of his um, solo miniseries storytelling and, and, and his solo series storytelling being uh, an active, uh, him being an active member of, or even the leader of the Thieves Guild, I think at one point. Mm-hmm. But they differentiate the New York Thieves Guild from that whole thing, but they do tie them together. And part of that tie together is what is the basis of the Black Fox's uh, scheme here. Right. To which, and if you don't know the character of Black Fox by now, you know, pretty, you know, um, Black Fox pretty much taught Felicia everything she she knows, but still kind of kept some information up until just now, which, you know, I guess kind of comes in, will come in handy in this next arc. Um, but also shown to be one is like he doesn't necessarily give away his whole hand, even with people he knows and loves, you know. <laughs> Right. So that's where this whole exposition kind of thing kind of comes into, uh, or part of this exposition thing comes into it as they go set off to um, do do this heist, which ends up not being the heist that Felicia thought it was going to be, um, but ends up being a play to take something away from the guild and give to themselves. Right. It kind of plays out. It, uh, it kind of played out like I don't know if you watched. You know, we've always been fond of comparing this. Uh, series, this McKay written Black Cat series to the Oceans movies, mm-hmm. like the more modern Oceans movies. Did you watch Oceans 8 with Sandra Bullock and uh, Kate Blanchett? Pro- mm, no, actually. No, I think this kind it. of reminded me of that more so than the other, the, the Danny Ocean Oceans movies, right. because um, there's an obvious misdirection. Okay. And, you know, the, the, the goal of the heist isn't exactly what everyone thinks it is. Mm. And okay. so that's, that's the part that I think makes more, uh, has more of a connection to the Ocean's 8 movie with the, the, the female-led uh, Ocean's movie. Right. And so that's the, really the connection that, that, I, that, that, that I found gotcha. between the two. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. No, that one, I'm pretty sure I had, actually, I think I've only seen probably one of those movies in, in whole. Because I think I've watched gotcha. like pieces of the other ones, but some of the other ones, but not right. Really. I mean, Eleven is the best. Right. Eleven is the best, you know, because it's just fun. It still holds up, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Right. Even though it was made before the era, the era of the smartphone, it still holds up. So yeah, um, but yeah, the, the but this issue of uh, Black Cat, despite you know, not saying action is the draw here for this for this book or any any book. Uh, at large, but you know the the exposition is pretty pretty much, and the the, the whole bit within you know the the touching moment with uh cat and fox was uh, mm-hmm. was good. Just pretty much what you're coming in here for yeah. before they get yeah. to the end and the the whole. That. Yeah, we definitely needed this though. We needed this because mm-hmm. uh, we had kind of been strung along, and unfortunately, this book did uh, did run into crossover problems with uh, King and Black. Mm-hmm. Um, they did tie it into King and Black pretty well, I thought. But and and still advance their own stories. But at the end of the day, I think that um, part of the structure of the reboot 
uh, with King and Black probably led to them structuring this story to be like, the, you know, to really dump it. Um, uh, a lot of the ex- exposition in, in, in this one issue. Right. But it's a critical issue if you are looking to um, catch up on Black Cat. Don't catch up with this issue. But this is the issue that you need to read so that you're up to date because there's a lot to there's a lot of explaining like uh, uh, Ricky would ask Lucy in this. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much that pretty much sums that up. Uh, you want to go to the other actual um, uh, King of Black tie-in? I guess while we're Fantastic Four? Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Fantastic Four number 30. It's uh, written by Dan Slott with art by Zay Carlos, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Take it away. So this starts off, excuse me, as a King and Black tie-in, but pretty much goes directly into the, the aftermath of it. Um, like half of the issues, pretty much, hey, is tied into King of Black, and we 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 come back to the fact that John uh, Johnny and Ben had been uh, nullified, uh, as the saying goes, um, uh, and what Sue and Reed and and uh, the rest of the the crew are doing about that, and in in their respective places, because the kids are still at the gate, um, and uh, Valeria gets taken over at the center and leads leaving Franklin kind of to kind of to kind of fend but there was also some i guess some truth serum that kind of happened in the, during the course of this which i guess was the main part of why this was set up the way it was because some things kind of came out uh between the nullified folk and the people uh and, and the folks that were kind of um hold def- defending against them uh during the course of this that you know could pretty much cut to the bone but again, like I said, we kind of come off, come out off of that, come out of that uh, to, because they even say at the end of it, it's like, yeah, go to uh, King of Black Five to see what happens uh, after that. So if you've been watching, if you've been, which if you've been reading King and Black, you've already got through because that came out like last week. <laughs> right. So we then cut to after that where they're trying to rebuild uh, the Yancey Street, and you know you see you see Ben. I don't know how long after this because uh, that that that's what, but I guess I guess it kind of really doesn't matter because you kind of see Ben and uh, Johnny still kind of like yeah, or Ben in particular is like yeah. I said a lot of things under the influence, uh, you know, that I didn't mean, and and they, uh, he he and Reed kind of hash that out. You know, and then there's that whole thing with Johnny and Sue, um, and they even touch on the Valeria and Franklin thing also. But that was like I was kind of like, uh, but the Johnny and Sue thing of which because because there was a whole thing with just like Sue's like, uh, not necessarily hovering but kind of watching him at every point, and which still happens at the end of this, you know, uh, in a, in a way because Johnny thinking he's got the upper hand. Um, mm-hmm. when he kind of skips off with Sky, uh, but apparently Sue is still there being a busy, being a nosy busybody. Um, right. And that's where we end the issue. Right. What did you think about this, um, uh, uh, about this, uh, move by Sue Richards? I, mm-hmm. Part of me couldn't blame her because of the nature of how they got together and also Johnny's unfortunate 
bad history with women. Sure, being being the big sister and the one that's been looking out for him, you know, for the most of their life, I guess at this point, I mm-hmm. kind of get that. But at the same time, like. Right, he's a grown up. You should right. know. He's you know, a, you got to exactly. let him make his own mistakes. I'm like, wait, he's made a lot of mistakes over the course, right? Exactly. <laughs> the course of the comic history, but, right? And it's kind of one of those things, like, yeah, okay, yes, he has made a lot of mistakes, but at some point, he's got to grow up. Like, you know, exactly. which granted for Johnny, that's that's you know probably going to take a good while, but he's trying at the very least, um, and she should at least give him the benefit of the doubt. Which, yeah. Right. Well, it's kind of like the Peter Parker problem, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do you marry him and, you know, do you make him married with children and age him, you know, and kind of move him up, you know, uh, and and not that I'm not going to use the whole relatable argument because I've never agreed with that. Right. But in a sense, like, do you put, do you put him into that mold? You know, do you, do you, do you give him that like familiar, that extra familiar responsibility? See, the problem with that is, is I don't believe that just like Peter, I don't think it would change him that much. It all depends on how you frame the story, whether right. or not you're willing to put in like family, you know, like that extended family thing. Yeah, it depends on who's right. Because we've seen some of that, you know, we see some of that with the, uh, was it the J.J. Abrams uh, Spider-Man story? Right. So, you know, it all depends. But like I said, I think that's part of the issue with uh, uh, Johnny Storm's character. Sure. Um like I feel like Johnny's gonna be Johnny regardless in some way, shape, or form, and I don't think him getting married and kind of growing and getting more, a little bit more responsibilities on him would would change that that much. That is that is pretty much my interpretation of the character classically. So I don't know, but it is what it is, and we'll see what's gonna happen after that at the um, at the outside of it. But we're pretty much going into a, a new arc, and sound like yeah. we get back to going through the gate and going getting uh, getting that right. stuff out of the way. Right, exactly. We'll get, we're getting away from the King and Black tie-in, which was unfortunately two issues mm-hmm. for the Fantastic Four. Yeah, so. two issues late in the game at that, because like, like I said, King and Black pretty much ended last week. Right. Right. So, that being said, though, we can move on to, uh, you got another one you want to? You wanna... Uh, yeah, there's one other book that I wanted to talk about. I don't okay. think you've read it, though. Okay. Um, I'm looking at your list real quick. Because I know we want to get through some of these books quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know what? Let's talk about because I can cover my my potential click of the week, my real strong contender. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I see you've highlighted Guardians of the Galaxy number thirteen. You want to talk about that real quick? Oh, did I have highlighted? Oh, no, no. Um, I was um, sure. Yeah, we could do or, that. Want to talk, I was about to say, or you want to talk about Children of the Atom? I was thinking nonstop, but nonstop it is. Um, nonstop kinda, it is. Just Let gotta me get that one uh, out of the way. Yeah, let me pull that up. Uh, do you want to go through the credits? Sure. So, Nonstop Spider-Man number two is what we're t- going to be talking about. And the creative team is... Oh, that's not it. The creative team is writ- writer Joe Kelly. Uh, pencils by uh, Chris Bacalo Or Bacalo, depending on... I'm not sure how that said. Inks by Tim Taus- Townsend with uh, Al Vey and May Fouch- uh, Wayne-, Wayne Foucher. Uh, colors by Marcio Menez uh, and letters by VCs uh, Travis Lanham, which I don't know why I got an X there instead of a C because I must have been tired. <laughs> um, so yeah, we this uh, we I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, and we've talked about this the last time this this uh, book comes up. It's fun, but it's also slightly grown inducing on my part for, for some of the language, and we'll probably get rid of that, get uh, some of that. Um, 
other way. But we definitely get a little bit more of what's going on uh, with uh, with the not necessarily the plot, but sure we'll go with that. Um, mm-hmm. So um, Spidey and Nora Jones, uh, Nora Jones, Nora Nora Winters kind of teams up, and this, they make they make a point to say that this is. Uh, happening before the events of the current events of Spidey, which is, you know, got Spidey kind of going into a more social media direction and, and working with, uh, Nora Winters again, but they're pretty much, um, they're pretty much working together, uh, on this one to kind of dope out from different perspectives on, you know, from, of what's been going on. And then we come to find out that Nora actually does have a sort of personal stake in this, as opposed to just trying to get a new story out of this, but it's still just as much about a new story in it for her um so yeah so we get a, a little bit more about what's going on i don't know how i kind of feel about that so basically we find out what's the, what the kind of what the bad guys have been doing with um with this designer drug that they made up and during the course of this we kind of get a little bit more on that um uh and at the end zemo baron zemo comes back into play talking very uncharacteristically, I still I still contend. Then classically, uh, and uh, uh, Agent Seventy pretty much said. Well, I let him say what he said about the the how the characterizations are. Right. I mean, I my guess, and this is just a guess. This is simply purely conjecture on my part. I wonder if Joe Kelly had had an opportunity to maybe not watch. Falcon and the Winter Soldier ahead ahead of time, but maybe met with the writing team. You know, Marcus uh, is it Marcus Spellman? You know, the the the, 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 the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Uh, Mark Spellman. Yes, yes. Yeah, Marcus Spellman. So, you know, maybe he maybe he had some notes from Kevin Feige um, as to how they were looking to characterize Baron Zemo in uh, the Falcon Winter Soldier movie, and I wonder if that's related. That's all as, you know, it's not necessarily true synergy, but more in line with how they are portraying him in the movies. Right. You know, updating, updating, not necessarily wiping out all of the old continuity, but definitely updating the character. Yeah, I, I don't believe that's the case, because I feel like, or... It's less of the case because one, why two? Uh, well, no, that still stands. Why, uh, despite that, and um, um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how much lead up time. Well, we know how much lead up time that they have. Comics, or it's usually like six months, unless this was a story that was done, you know, uh, prior to. And just now being, because there are there are situations where yeah, there's some old story that that, that they're sitting on, and they just so happen to publish it now. Skype situation, so it could very well be that case. But if this is if it is a new story that they just kind of had a the the normal what six month lead on, I I feel like that would not really track with um mm-hmm. with Falcon and, with them getting anything on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, but sometimes these shows are written that far in advance. That's my point. Like, right. not necessarily watching, but definitely getting notes. Sure. So, oh, yeah, like I was saying, yeah, yeah, the, like I said, they've been, yeah, yeah like, they, they pretty much, you know, had uh, a good clump of Falcon Winter Soldier in, in the can probably by the time they even dreamed this up. So, it like, right. it's possible, but I kind of wonder 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said, purely conjecture. Right. I would just add uh, a couple of quick notes on the art. Uh, Bacalo's art in this, or Bacalo's art in this, is as hyperkinetic as normal. But actually, I think this issue is easier to make out than the last issue. You think so? I think it's still a little bit, little bit busy in spots, especially getting to the end with the fight. With I the... thought this was a lot easier to make out. Hmm. Okay. You know, just you know, just the transitions from panel to panel, mm-hmm. because sometimes that's where he gets me. Sometimes that's where he gets me where panel to panel, I'm just like, where did this, where, how did this happen from this panel? Right. But uh, I definitely think this one was a little, at least in my opinion, was a little easier to, to follow. But it's still fun. It's hyperkinetic. It's just, you know, his Spidey is just, uh, you know, always on the move. Right. Uh, again, uh, the, the writing, some, some writing choices in uh, using more modern dialogue with, uh, with the characters kind of kind of sticks with me as a but um hey and as i mentioned to roddy cat i know i have incorporated the word fam into my vocabulary over you know maybe the last year or two mm-hmm. but uh it was fun to see peter put that in uh it's literally on the the second page of the story it says don't worry fam right and i'm like yeah that's yeah, yeah, I, I guess, I guess. Again, and we talked, kind of talked about this with the last issue. Like there was some choice dialogue, uh, you know, written out. That's like really how? Why is this, including Zemo at the end? Like why is this character talking about this? And like I said, not to, not to go back and stick on that again because we were just finished talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's just a thing. It's still like I said, it, it hasn't killed me from reading this book, but. Depending on how deep they've planned on going with it, it might. Like this is—I think this is only what five issue miniseries. Actually, wait, no, this is ongoing, isn't it? This is an ongoing, but I don't know how long Kelly sticks with it, so we'll see. Right. So yeah, we'll we'll see how how long that go that is. Anywho, uh, that being said, we can move on to something else. Or we can go to actually go to Rapid Fire, I guess. We can go to Rapid Fire. There's a lot of the stuff that we can cover quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we go into Rapid Fire, there is one book this week that we didn't, neither of us got to. And I kind of wish too. I had gotten to it. Mm-hmm. And that is um, Spider-Man, Spider-Shadow number one. It is a what-if story. Uh, the premise is, you know, what if... Uh, Peter Parker had uh, held on to the Venom symbiote costume. So, you know, and, and it's a four issue limited series, my, uh, 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 as I understand it. But um, I regret not getting to that this week. So I'm, I'm going to try to get to that this weekend. Sure. Um, for me, though, there was actually one, and I will let me see, let me pull up the news real quick. There we go. So, MPLS Sound. Uh, is one for me that I've been kind of wanting to get to, and I think it's a graphic novel. But uh, was it this week or no? It's this week, yeah. Oh, it was out this week. Okay. Yes, yeah, this, this Who's week. it by? Uh, written by Joe Iliage, uh, Joseph Iliage, who is a, uh, an editor of note um, uh, in the comic book industry, and Hannibal Taboo, uh, with art by Meredith Langston, uh, Laxton, and colors by Tan Shu. Looks like. But it's pretty much a slice of life um, uh, graphic novel surrounded by the Minneapolis sound. And it's, uh, I'm reading from Comixology here, actually, when it says, uh, The ultimate love letter to funky pop rock sound that made the artist no- formerly known as Prince a legend. Uh, one volume release of independent stories. 
Uh, when Prince first on the music scene in 1978, he put Minneapolis on the map. Consequently, many up-and-coming acts followed on the trail that he blazed. This is the story of Star Child, a group that almost made it to stardom in 1983, uh, led by a young woman whose desire to change the world through her music ignited a revolution. Through Star Child's journey, MPLS Sound Chronicles uh, from a Distance, uh, the rise of a musical genius, and uh, the rebirth of a city. So that's ah, I see. So it's a right, right. So it's a it, so it's a trade paperback, right? And it's published by Humanoids. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's some of the key inf- information that folks need. It was on sale this week, mm-hmm. and uh, you can um, uh, cover price is nineteen ninety nine. So you can order this, uh, folks, through your comic book. Uh, you know, you can get it online, as Roddy Cat mentioned. Right. Uh, and you can also um, order this through your local comic book shop. Right. So I, I'm assuming that's hardback because the Comixology says it's $13.99. But if you're a part of their unlimited thing, it's, it's a, a few cents off of that. So. But, yeah. Um, yeah, this is the, I'm talking about, yeah, this is the, um, no, this is, uh, it doesn't say that it's hardback or not. But, or it's very um, physical. It's physical. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm talking about physical ordering right. through the comic book shop. Yes. Yeah. Yep, so, yep. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's uh, published by Humanoids Publishing, as mm-hmm. I said. All right. So yeah, that's so. Very... Um, we're gonna start rapid fire. Let me spin we it up. And uh, rapid fire quiz, which is gonna come up in a. In <laughs> I was about to say, did we talk about seeing the? Uh, the oh, we're of- going to. We are going to. <laughs> All right, so let's go through this. Uh, first things first for me, Batman the Detective, number one of six. This is a miniseries written by Tom Taylor with art by Andy Kubert, colors by Brad Anderson, and letters by Clem Robbins. This is a future tale of Batman. Uh, this is Batman well into his career, and he is um, uh, on uh, on on the on following clues to a mystery uh, where, which involves a plane being taken down and uh, the current night, uh, which is like the, the, the Batman equivalent in England uh, uh, being taken down also. And uh, that's where the mystery starts. So uh, it wasn't bad. It was, it was, it was a, a pretty interesting read. Uh, Andy Kubert's art is, um, is sharp. It's not, it's not for everyone, but it was pretty good. Uh, moving on is uh, Children of the Atom number two, written by Vita Ayala, with art by Bernard Chang, colors by Marcelo Naiolo, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, um, I definitely get, I definitely get the whole mutant dumb thing, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, protecting your, protecting your kind and protecting your borders. But I was like, whoa, we're getting, uh, you know, we're getting this weird kind of, uh, 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 conversation between, uh, Storm and, uh, three Avengers. You know, we get Cap, Captain Marvel and Iron Man. I was like, wow, that's, that's not exactly how I hear these characters. I'm not, uh, I'm not against how Vita Ayala chose to, um, uh, voice these characters, but I didn't necessarily agree with it, mm-hmm. but I definitely understand the idea behind, you know, the, you know, when you're talking about, you know, they're literally talking on the, the grounds of the Krakoan consulate or the right. Krakoan embassy. I mean, it's definitely conversations between mutants and humans that that 
kind of fit in the vein of what's been going on, you know, in current storylines. So, but yeah, I, I, I did feel like it was just a little bit off. Like, are they going to start into a fight? No. Okay. Yeah, just a little, just a little off. I definitely saw it when the, for the opening part of the conversation happens with, uh, mystique. Right, that I understood, sort of. You know, it's weird to see uh, some of these bad guys speaking like Krakoans. Right. You know, like they're not. You know, it's like they're not themselves. So that's what's weird. Right. But you know, it's also part of the whole concept, right? But um, but ultimately, uh, I actually got a kick out of seeing the uh, the ab workout. I was just like, wow, that's actually a, a pretty solid looking workout there. Right. Um, on the first page. That's posted by one of the characters, and uh, you know we get uh, we get some more background on one of the uh, uh, one of these young X Men quote unquote uh, characters, and uh, we get some more background into the rest of them as well. And as Roddy Cat said, we may find we still haven't found out too much. We're still sort of in the same place as we were in the first issue, but we may end up finding out over the course of this opening arc, what these kids are or what they are not. Pretty much. Anything else? Nope. All right. Next up is Daredevil number 29, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Marco Cicchetto or or Cicchetto, uh, with colors by... um, Marcio Meniz and letters by Clayton Cowles. So uh, in this issue, we have, uh, you know, it's the continuing saga of uh, Matt Murdock being in jail and being a target of um, attacks from the warden. Uh, Meanwhile, Electra is holding down uh, Hell's Kitchen and, uh, you know, as her own form of Daredevil. And it seems like she's taken on an apprentice and also has chosen to uh, enforce things her way in Hell's Kitchen. And that's the, the the broadest way I'll put it and the vaguest way I'll put it, because if you read this, you will understand what I mean when I say that. So, um, you know, uh, things have been put in, uh, things have been put in motion by Zadarsky. It's important that uh, you backtrack and read uh, the Daredevil annual from last year, because there is a development in this issue that comes up where, uh, that, um, foreknowledge will help, but it's not necessary. It's not completely necessary, but it helps because they do put in a little footnote that you should go back and check that out. All right. Next up is guardians of the galaxy. Number 13. I know that Roddy cat read this. It's written by Al Ewing with art by Juan for Colors by Federico Blee and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. So it's not the Nova Corps anymore who are handling eight by eight emergencies. <laughs> no, it is not. Go ahead, take it. Um, Actually, you know, because I, I figured I even though I'm running the, the the rapid fire, you know, I figure you want to talk about this book. Uh, I mean, a little bit. Like, yeah, the the guardians have pretty much come in and um, uh, and handle. Uh, they're the ones handling big situations around the galaxy, um, big and small. And apparently, Super, Super Scrolls is, is the man in the chair. I guess at this point, <laughs> uh, who's who's may or may not be directing the uh, them or not, but we don't know. But yeah, something happens on the. Um, on the Screech Alliance home world with the progenitors, uh, and they go and take care of that. 
Meanwhile, there's this other group of guardians who's uh, trying to figure out what's happened to uh, some surveyors on another planet there that they're trying to survey for some reason. Uh, and they come across a, uh, a, a scroll fire cult. Uh, and this was the interesting part. Well, to me, part because me, because we see Quasar, the old, or the OG Quasar, whom we haven't seen in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, huh? I was like, I wonder. Well, actually, and I thought about it then. I was like, wonder where he's been and whatnot. And then to come to find out that he's doing a Captain Marvel, uh, the OG Captain Marvel body switch with the new Quasar, Everell uh, Kincaid, who we ended up meeting in uh, Avengers. Um, Pleasant Hill, I believe it was, or one of those, I can't remember, it was one of those uh, joints. But we hadn't seen her a whole lot. But it comes, apparently, there was a footnote to some to the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, annual from 2019 that ex- kind of explains how they got into this current situation they are. But so th- those two things happen, and then we kind of kick back to the, um, to the, to the Cree thing where they pretty much mop that up and uh if someone else who you wouldn't necessarily expect to be in this book shows up out of the blue at the end of it and just kind of wrecks shop mm-hmm. um and we knew this character was coming was going to come into this book but still like if you didn't know have that foreknowledge you would have been like why is this character in this book and that is one victor von doom aka dr Toom, comes in at the at the um uh, at the last minute, just like you could have just said, "Hey, how y'all?" You know, you know, <laughs> or something. To, he, I pretty much got it in my notes. Like he came in the most Doctor Doom way he could have uh, <laughs> uh, at this point. He absolutely did. Now I'm going to tell you something. Um, uh, I definitely got vibes from the Flag Smashers from uh, the uh, was it the what do they oh, call the themselves? The Flame. The yeah. It was a scroll fire cover. I can't call. It, I can't remember what they call themselves though. Yeah, that's what I was just looking for. Mm. But I got a kick out of. It. I was like, oh my gosh, the oh, the the brethren of the forgotten flame, right? Mm. So I definitely got flag smasher um, uh, uh, vibes from that. Sure. You know, it's like, look, your credits are worthless, and nobody cares. You're here because you lost everything to the collapse. Because everything collapsed because of uh, uh, which we call, I guess, null. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, you know, it, 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 I, I kind of got uh, flag smasher vibes there. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have too much to add to that, other than. Uh, yeah, you you talked about the body switch. Uh, I got the flag smashers in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't think there's anything else I really wanted to add, but I thought that was pretty funny. That color was the uh, the guy in the chair. Mm-hmm. All right, next up is Iron Man number eight, written by Christopher Cantwell, with art by Angel Unzueta, colors by Frank Darmada, and uh, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So it is the continuing. Uh, adventure of Iron Man's misfit team in space as they are uh, engaged with Korvac and his semi-misfit team of Iron Man villains. And this is really, surprisingly, a Hellcat-centric issue because Hellcat is uh, contacted by a former Avenger teammate Avengers teammate um, to help reawaken some powers that had been taken away from her way back in Defenders 
issue 77. I right. am not sure what year that is, but that is almost likely a very long time ago yeah, probably, in our time. Yeah, probably if late 70s, early 80s, so it's uh, around that part probably. Yeah, Moondragon shows up from, you know, I don't know how she had time to do that when she was in Guardians, but I guess she could just... Like, she, I could... yeah, she shows up psychically. Right. She doesn't show up in person, so that's how she's able to show up. Sure. And she's essentially in uh, uh, Patsy Walker's head as, uh, you know, uh, there's a little bit of a walk down memory lane sure. uh, dealing with past relationships, past struggles, and she finds her um, her power being locked away, essentially. And, you know, which is essentially what um, Moondragon explains is what she did. She didn't take it away, but sort of uh, 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 locked it away. And I guess part of Cantwell's motivation in this book is to revamp Hellcat and make her far more formidable than she has been ever almost for most of my reading history, maybe even Roddy Cat's reading history. Like, I vaguely remember her having some sort of psychic abilities, but it was like, it seemed kind of weird that she even had those, given, you know? I never remembered her with that. I was just like, oh, she's just, you know, a, a kind of a, a tiger-type, you know, cat person, you know? Because, yeah, because so. the original, because Tiger was the original Hellcat. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that, you know, I, that, that was my, that was always my impression growing up. So I not, you know, not having the, um, the internet, not having Marvel Unlimited at my fingertips. I was never that familiar with uh, Hellcat's origin. You know, one of those times when I really uh, would have benefited from reading her entry in the Ohatmo, right? Mm-hmm. Alrighty, next up is Maestro or Maestro War and Pax number four, written by Peter David, with art by Javier Pina, with a backup art by uh, backup story art by Herman Peralta, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by VCs Travis Lanham. So, the Pantheon thinks they've got the Hulk right where they want him, but they do not, mm-hmm. and uh, Banner is uh uh in his in his head and apparently this is where banner in this uh prequel story to hulk future imperfect decides to let um uh the maestro uh hulk personality loose you know for real right and there are some serious ramifications to that both to both to the pantheon and bo- and and to other characters that have shown up um, in these two miniseries. Yeah, which is also brings up some curiosities because one, which Hulk is this? Like, is this actually Devil Hulk grown up? I mean, did, like gotten older, or is this like another Hulk? Like, is 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 this Maestro uh, personality another one? I'm assuming it's Devil Hulk, but. I, I don't know, but regardless, also yeah. So some uh, someone else that gets taken out is aim in this situation, and they their Modoc says a um, a throwaway line about we will become the adventure, like we will be avenged, or we will become the adventures, and you know, some, or something like that. So I'm thinking, it's like, is this a tie to Avengers of the Wasteland? Which I don't think so. But like, what is that? What's that? What about like, unless that's going to come up someplace else. Um, well, that might be what I was going to say is that might be a reference to where Peter David wants to take this. I don't know if they've talked about what they're going to do post this particular miniseries, right? Because Avengers of the Wasteland was already a thing, right? I mean, I'm not that familiar with the whole Wasteland Old Man Logan storyline, which I don't think is 
in this timeline. I think it is. Yeah. Mm, I we, think I think what, before, so we don't. I mean, it's, it's... I'll do this before because I think what I read was that they pulled that maestro from another timeline into the 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 old man Logan timeline. Mm. But you know, that's time that's time travel for you. It's meant to to confuse us all, right? Yeah. But there was also uh, the other side of this where Doom in the beginning, which was kind of funny, speaking of Dr. Doom, is trying to take mm-hmm. over uh, Maestro's territory and, and not having such good luck with doing so. Right. So, but ultimately, you know, I don't know where they're, uh, if they're going to continue on with this, but this is still a good prequel story to Hulk Future Imperfect. Right. And then there's a backup story that has to do with the pantheon which i have no idea where that's going at this point given what happened in this issue which i granted just take that takes place like before this happens so right don't know right what, what, i guess what it's, that's i guess it's to partially explain where these characters were i guess so we'll see um next up for me is uh thor number 14 it's written by donny cates uh Art by Nick Klein, colors by Matt Wilson, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This is the finale of the current Prey storyline. And thankfully, uh, last was it last week's or two weeks ago's Beta Ray Bill? Was it last week or two weeks ago? I think it was last week. Uh, the previous Beta Ray Bill uh, miniseries came out, and I kind of complained that um, it... Um, I guess had minor, minor spoilers for how this prey storyline ends, but it's not, it turns out that they weren't too bad. Uh, but it, this is a pretty epic, uh, conclusion to this storyline. There's some great splash page art. Um, there is some politics involved, some family issues involved. There is a callback to traditional Norse mythology. A beta ray build does make a pretty strong appearance in this. Um, and, uh, it's overall just a really well executed um, issue. Um, as I said, uh, there is a callback to uh, the original Norse mythology here at the end of this issue. So um, I'm definitely giving uh, this is definitely a potential click of the week for me. Uh, last but not least is Wolverine number 11. It's written by Benjamin Percy, pencils by Scott Eaton, uh, inks by JP Mayer, and uh, colors by uh, Matthew Wilson with letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Um, I'm not a fan of this whole Dracula uh, storyline that's happening in the Wolverine in the pages of Wolverine. The 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 crux of the of the issue of the story is that um, and and it's explained in this issue is that the Dracula vampire group is looking to uh, work with Wolverine's healing factor blood. Uh, healing factor in his blood to help it, uh, help them be become daywalkers. That's the that's the crux of it, and I, I'm not so keen on this idea. But hey, you know it's it there's it makes it does make some sense. It's a different way around their uh, primary one of their primary weaknesses, you know, being sunlight. So you know that's one way to look at it. Right. So you know it's it, it's not bad. But uh, but that's uh, that's it for me this week. All right, cool. Then and uh, since we've kind of gone on through most of the books that I've also read, I uh, only got a couple left. Uh, Power Pack number five, which is the last issue of this mini series, um, 
uh, written by Ryan North, uh, art by Nico Leon, uh, color artist Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, Wolverine, excuse me, Wolverine and Power Pack role play to get the, the Wizards' attention. Um, uh, and it kind of made me wonder about something. It's like, wait, Power Pack, is, is, as long as I've known them, have at times they have obscured their uh, uh, identities um, at certain ways, but not. But for the most part, they've pretty much uh, operated without masks. So how in the world have they still kept their uh, identity secret after all this time? I do not know. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, they pretty much get the upper hand on the wizard and get their powers back. Um, spoilers. Uh, and I, I have a note here that says it's still a better fight than wrestling because you should definitely you should definitely check this out for the fight between um, the, the the stage fight uh, that uh, Power Pack sets up. It's it's pretty amusing. It's pretty cute. Uh, That's fun. Yeah, but uh, but it's a, a nice neat uh, ending. You know, it doesn't necessarily set up anything. Uh, going forward, but you know, I'm, I'm sure Power Pack is going to be around for the foreseeable future, possibly. Uh, so I'm sure, as the, as it says at the uh, at the last in, at the end of the book, it's like, yeah, look for look at for Power Pack uh, in, out in the universe of sorts. So yeah, I'm sure they'll be around in some way, shape, or form. Right. Uh, and my last book is the next Batman Second Son number seven. Um, bing. So, uh, it's written by John Ridley, uh, art by Travel Foreman. Um, what is this? Oh, shoot. What did I do? I think I'm going to say inks. Uh, inks by Travel Foreman and Norm Rapmond. Colors by Lex Rex Locus and letters by Darren Bennett. Uh, so Jace gets some intel on Ar- Arcadine or Ar- Arcadine. I don't know how to, how to pronounce this. And his people, because we f- he found out that it was in Gartham. Um, I guess he gets a call back to somebody from his past, which I don't know honestly whether we've seen this person or not. Um, Mama Fox ends up going to the police to get a to get a case uh, to get some to get information on a case uh, sealed up because of a court case that the Foxes are uh, involved with. Um, I guess it might be damning to them or something, if that's the case. Because the, the whole time during this thing, Lucius and the mom, have, while being on opposite sides of uh, uh, this pre-future state business going on, but um, but they also had this one court case that's uh, that's going on that may or may not have come out. I mean, that's been from something in the pages of Batman. I don't know because I don't read Batman that, that, that closely. Um... So and then like Lucius also has a moment with Luke that he seems a little out of sorts, which is kind of uncharacteristic for for um for for Lucius. But Luke's like, uh, maybe you might want to see somebody from that. And Lucius like, no, nah, I'm good. You might want to see somebody for your issues. Um, so we'll probably see what's going on with that at a, at a later date, I guess. But then it turns into uh, Jason um, and Jace and the mom going to this deposition and them to uh saying like you know mom just wants him to read off the sheet you know just to say what's it and jace is like nah i gotta be truthful you know i gotta speak the truth and that's pretty much where this ends um so i guess we're going to finally see what happened because we find out that yeah between this and the the future state book 
we find out that something happened in Jason's past that kind of comes up, and I'm assuming that has something to do with this case that got sealed up and whatever else is going on. Because I don't know if it's something that came up in Batman or Batwing or anything. Uh, but I guess we're finally going to get, for those who don't know that information, if, it, if it's been out there, what that was. I don't think it's the information that's actually been out there prior to now, though. But there we are, and like I said, going into... and this is a, So this is the digital first book um, that uh, has been coming out weekly. Um, and that they're going to eventually, at some point, put this into... Um, put this make this physical so and that is it for me so we now we can go into clicks of the week clicks of the week uh we do have one from one of our um absent partners here uh dirt says that he's going to pick um Thor number 14 even though he says I can't fathom what bigger ramifications are going to be uh, to which I don't know what that means because I didn't read the book right. yeah I was about to say I actually understand where uh, I, I understand where, where Dirt's uh, questions lie mm-hmm. because of how this issue you know resolves itself and how this um, the antagonist of the story find you know like how how that's all wrapped up how that story wraps up mm-hmm. you know but there's lots of family stuff here it's interesting that um, um, that the Donald Blake character was brought back um, and brought back effectively it's not unlike you know it's not too far from um, what what uh, Brew Baker did with uh, Bucky and the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. obviously it's not as cool. But it's definitely it's definitely in that um, in that vein of taking a character that was kind of discarded because it was um, you know like a, a a relic and and turned that character into something effective. So that, I, I definitely agree with him. So I'm going to go with Thor number fourteen as my uh, click of the week as well. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, then for myself, I'm thinking I am leaning towards um I think there was a couple of decent issues that this week um I think I might actually go with power pack number five though nice yeah I, it was like I said it was kind of cute the way it uh the way it played out I don't know if that was the intention but, <laughs> but that's what happened um and therein lies our clicks of the week and we're going to go into um uh, the cinematic news, but first, an ad read. Our first ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight. It's your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise merchandise such as custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. 
From there, scroll down to the fun code link and place your order. When you get to the checkout, put in the offer code SHOP10, S-H-O-P-10, for your 10% off discount. Funco through CSPN.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. Indeed, as I said, we are going into the cinematic news first off with uh, the Witcher Blood Origin news. Uh, Jodie Turner-Smith leaves prequel series, apparently. Uh, so Jodie Turner-Smith of Queen and Slim fame uh, has departed Netflix's uh, six-episode prequel series, uh, The Witcher Blood Origin. Uh, due to a change in the production schedule for uh, the show, unfortunately, Jodie Turner-Smith will no longer be able to continue in the role of Ailey, um, I says a Netflix spokesman uh, to Variety, and the character uh, has been described as a fierce warrior with the voice of a goddess. Um, so, and then it goes on to in the, in the description of what the character would be getting into uh, with the show. So, yeah, that happens. All right, next. Next up, uh, the latest online campaign to apparently catapult out of HBO Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League is the ca- is the call for HBO Max to release a movie or series centered on Joe Manganiello's Slade Wilson slash Deathstroke. Hashtag Deathstroke HBO Max is apparently or was apparently currently was apparently trending on Twitter with fans and even Manganiello himself sharing the hashtag in hopes that Warner Media would answer the call. Yeah, that's a thing, and we are here, sadly. Because, also, DC fans are calling on Warner Brothers to make the Ben Affleck Batman movie and a Black Canary HBO Max uh, series also. So, DC fans are doing what I just said, and also, um, let's see, both make the Batfleck movies hashtag and hashtag Black Canary HBO series were trending on Twitter following the aforementioned Deathstroke HBO Max um uh, uh, trend and also retort restore the Snyderverse shenanigans uh, therein. Mm-hmm. So yeah, apparently fans are just getting all out of pocket and ask for everything on the sun. Don't get me wrong, I would actually like to see because I, I saw this last night or within the last night or two about the black camera codes because I'm, I'm not sure what prompted it because I know I saw Gail Simone talking about it and I know there was a lot of black, uh, uh, black canary talk. Um, that day for some odd reason and maybe it was an anniversary or something that I don't know about that I don't remember anything about or something but regardless I did see a lot of chatter about Black Canary and Journey Smollett's uh, portrayal of, um, of Black Canary in the, the Harley Quinn aka Birds of Prey movie um, and yeah I wouldn't mind seeing that actually with uh, with her uh, you know get a little bit more of, of her in, in that but Who's to say if any of that's going to um, come to pass? And as far as that Affleck Batman movie, after watching Snyder Cut, I wouldn't. I kind of wouldn't mind seeing that, but at the same time, that ship was probably sailed. Let leave, yeah. let's, leave the Snyder Cut alone, or in, anything associated with it. Right. Which the Black Canary thing is not. It's just having to coincide with what people are asking for lately. Right. I mean, on the other hand, as long as. Uh they keep Ben Affleck in decent shape, he could probably pull off like uh Dark Knight returns, which is what they want to do anyway. Sure. You know, that's what that's what Snyder wants to do. 
that's what they're, they're they're all dying dying to do dark knight returns right or they end up doing some sort of uh multiverse another another crisis or something yeah you know so and, as long as they keep him in decent shape he doesn't necessarily have to get ripped but he's got to stay like big and they could do that but um yeah. all right uh and some more unfortunate Zack snyder justice league news HBO Max dropped uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League trilogy trailer. So as that movie arrived, a new trailer highlights that the story Zack Snyder created over the course of three films is complete. HBO Max released the trilogy trailer on its official YouTube channel, which is comprised of footage from Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Zack Snyder's Justice League. Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> Indeed. Um, Shazam! Fury of the Gods cast Lucy Liu as Calypso. So, um, Lucy Liu, best known for Chicago, Kill Bill, and uh, in some corners of the uh, of the world, uh, Ally McBeal, and of course, Charlie's Angels franchises, has joined Shazam! Fury of the Gods as the villain Calypso. Um, Calypso is the sister of Harlan Mirren's Hesperia, which we will be talking a little bit more about Harlan Mirren in a few, uh, and will serve as one of the prequel- sequel's primary antagonists. So... Cool. Mm-hmm. And I was about to say Lucy Lou went to my high school. Did she? Oh, cool. Yes, she did. She, you know, uh, a few years before me, but uh, yeah, I've always she graduated she... before I got there. But that's pretty. You know, it's pretty cool, right? I always like when she turns up and stuff because she's she's um, pretty good. So uh, next up, though, next up, uh, Marvel opens. Uh, an MCU Madripoor website, but quickly had to scrub X-Men references. <laughs> Somebody let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> so they opened an in-universe tourism website for Madripoor, which fans quickly noticed contained a number of Easter eggs referencing X-Men characters. Those references have apparently now been removed. Comicbook.com spotted the new Explorer Madripoor website, which appeared as a banner advertisement on other Marvel websites. Fans uh, subsequently discovered that areas of that site could be unlocked using passwords, including one area that listed ships in Madripoor's Buccaneer Bay docks which we saw in episode three of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. When the site launched, those listings included ship names, some of which were direct references to X-Men characters, including Mystique, Dokken, Shang-Chi, and the sentient island Krakoa uh, were also mentioned. Interesting. No worries. Whoops. Whoops. I know, right? Uh, speaking of some Falcon and Winter Soldier news, uh, there's a behind-the-scenes look at episode two's truck fight. So, a new behind-the-scenes video for Falcon Winter Soldier reveals the making of Episode 2's highway fight scene. Uh, while Marvel's first Disney Plus series, WandaVision, went easy on action, until the end, anyway, um, the Falcon Winter Soldier has been chock full of the MCU's stereotypical heart-pounding moments, according to this article. Uh, blase, blase, blase. Yeah, there's a behind-the-scenes video that was put up on, looks like, on Instagram. Uh, showing some behind the scenes of said fight. Next up. One second. That's a link I want uh, Roddy Cat to see. Oops, and now the whole world is going to see it. Oh, yeah. The, is this the... um? Okay. Right, so... Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. A- that's right. Fish, I just see this. Right. What I just sent Roddy Cat, and I'm going to get to the to the next news uh, item in a second. What I just sent Roddy Cat 
is a looped video of the Zemo dance from uh, episode three of I the th- Winter Soldier. And I um, thought we talked about this. What's that? I thought we talked about this already last week or something, but yeah, go ahead. No, no, but this is the official Disney one. I know. That's what I'm saying. I think. Cause I, oh, okay. My apologies. No, I don't know. I don't know. And I, I, I know I've seen this. I don't know if I either had a link in the clickbait section of last week or did, or if we did actually talk about this. But I have. But I have seen this. But oh, right, talk about it anyway. No, all I wanted to mention was that Disney. Uh, you know, one of the few things positive coming out of uh, fan uh, uh, outcry for more things on the inter- on the internet via Twitter is that Disney um, uh, uh, and Marvel Studios put together a looped video of uh, one hour of Zemo dancing. It's the extended video too. Mm-hmm. You know, because of, you know the the video that's in the episode is very short of Zemo dancing, but this is apparently um, the footage from that. It's footage that includes what was cut from the episode of Zemo dancing in that uh, art gallery clubish night scene, right? Uh, club uh, uh, club scene that is, right? And uh, uh, it's pretty cool that they actually put together an hour loop of it. Yeah, play a little bit of it. All right, that's enough. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, anyway, back to uh, back to the news. So uh, you did the truck fight, right? Yes. So Marvel She-Hulk has added a new cast member, um, Angelica Schuyler. I mean, Renee Elise <laughs> Goldsberry. Who Renee Elise Goldsberry has joined the upcoming Disney Plus series, uh, as reported by Deadline. She-Hulk will be a legal comedy with Tatiana Maslany playing the titular character, also known as Jennifer Walters, the cousin of Bruce Banner, the OG Hulk. We can expect an appearance from Mark Ruffalo in the new show, too. Tim Roth will also uh, reprise his role as the abomination from the Incredible Hulk movie, and Ginger Gonzaga is also on board, playing Jennifer's best friend. Goldsberry's character is called Amelia, but that's all we know so far. They couldn't call her Angelica. They just couldn't do it. Wait, is Amelia the... the girl from that last She-Hulk series? I don't know. I don't know. I know those... I, I, I don't think it's... A, I, I don't know if it's... A, either way, so I, I, I said online that apparently uh, getting Hamilton people for projects is the new uh, getting Game of Thrones people at this point. Because there, there's a lot of uh, uh, Hamilton people that are, that are you know, obviously they're, they're getting work other places, but you see them in, in higher profile or as mm. as higher profile stuff like you know this or as you know whatever you see him in places that you know people you see him in more places than other stuff so yep. I'm happy for this because I love her so <laughs> she's really good yes um speaking of She Hulk She Hulk uh, series befriend, according to a report begins filming um so this news comes via Georgia's government website of all places which provides a list of projects currently in production within the state. Uh, this comes several weeks after Marvel Studios Kevin Feige announced that <laughs> filming would uh, would begin soon, followed by production on Moon Knight. And this is uh, looks like a tweet from a She-Hulk fan site um, with the, the pertinent information on that, I guess. So, there you go. And, of course, you know, they, they mentioned when they... Uh, Goals related, at least Goldberry's uh, uh, hiring. Next, 
Alrighty, Sony Pictures has signed a new deal with Netflix that will see the streamer become the exclusive home of films like Uncharted and Morbius when they finish their theatrical and home video runs beginning in 2022, as reported by Deadline. The new deal sees Netflix replace Stars as Sony's partner for the, quote, pay one window for what Deadline says is a, rec- a record-setting uh, price tag. Netflix is an obvious choice for Sony, given that the company already has a pay one deal for its animated releases. But the new deal is far more comprehensive and will see Sony's theatrical films from its Columbia Pictures, Sony Pictures, Classic, Screen Gems, and TriStar Pictures studios all head to Netflix. That's a one. That's a big get. Two, boy, how do they feel about that? That has to suck for both. Well, stars in a in a little ways, but also Crackle, which is Sony's own streaming service. By the way, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. But is but it's a good get for Netflix and those you know and pretty much everybody because let's face it, every, you know Sony. I mean, excuse me, Netflix is pretty much the one other uh, streaming server that everybody has access to. Um, as opposed to, you know, that and another one. So, yeah, cool. Next up, though, um, back to some Godzilla vs. Kong, which tops uh, $350 at the global box office. It made some money, folks. Not surprising. Uh, I'm not going to go through all the numbers here, but it made a lot of money in different places. Uh, Right. Even... It, you know, like if it made this much money, it definitely would have hit very close to a billion dollars if you know times were normal. And I think it, yeah, there's probably some mention of that in this uh, article, um, which I think it did not also have because I know uh, they've been doing movie, they've been doing theater and HBO Max for Warner Brothers stuff, right? So, and I think this is also a part of that, and which also reminds me of an article I may talk about or that I heard about. I don't know about it, but regardless. Uh, we might talk about that in another story later on. But yeah, good on it, I guess. Uh, Mortal Kombat is coming out next week, by the way. So, yeah, look forward to at least one of us talking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse me, the week after that, I should say. I mean, because it's coming out next week, so look out for one of us talking about it the, uh, after oh, that. Was it coming next Friday? Uh, I believe, so. yes, the 23rd. Oh. Mm-hmm. I mean, I might give it a shot. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the whole Mortal Kombat uh, uh, franchise in general. I mean, I played the games a little bit, so right. Yeah, you know, um, and I, yeah, and I plan on probably watching the first two uh, over again over the course of this week. Just not saying they have anything to do with each other because it's a reboot, but you know, just right. just for giggles. I was about to say the reboot uh, helps me because I don't have to be as familiar with the characters. Right. Um, next. All right. Next up. Uh, Netflix has released the official trailer for Godzilla Singular Point, which features a new look at the King of the Monsters. Godzilla is shown trailing through Japan, leaving a fiery wave of destruction in his wake. Meanwhile, engineer Yun Arikawa and grad student Mei Kamino learn about the existence of a mysterious particle named Archetype which is described as a magic lamp that enables the impossible. Multiple kaiju, including Rodan and Angiris, or Angiris, are somehow able to see the future, okay, which leads them on a rampage. This sends Yun and Mei alongside their comrades on a race against the clock to stop a world-ending catastrophe. 
The trailer ends by confirming Godzilla Singular Point will premiere this June in the United States on Netflix. Okay. And if it wasn't made clear, it's an it's anime. So yes. some of that may, makes a little bit more sense given that. And and I, I don't know if you watched this or not, but it looks like they focus more on the, of course, uh, more of the, the humans and a lot of talk there um, <laughs> than, than Godzilla. So, don't know. Next up, though, um, Netflix is making a live-action Gundam movie with Jordan Vo- Jordan Voigt Roberts directing. If that name doesn't sound familiar to you, that's the dude that did Kong Skull Island. That directed uh, Skong, uh, Kong Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that, honestly, because live-action <laughs> anime stuff has not been great. Um and I given how silly Kong Skull Island was, I don't know how if I would trust him with this. <laughs> I'll be honest. But legendary t- entertainment and uh as I said, Kong Skull Island director uh Jordan Voigt Robertson teaming out to work on a live action Gundam movie that will stream exclusively on Netflix. Uh details about the project operating under the working title Gundam um are limited at this time. Apparently, Brian K. Vaughn is writing the screenplay and will also act as an ex- um, executive producer. You know Brian K. Vaughn from Why the Last Man, Runaways. Um... Wait, is he? Is that Saga? Is he also Saga? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, take that for what it will. Uh, the movie was streaming on Netflix globally, except in China, where Legendary would uh, distribute the film. There's no set release date for the film yet, uh, and uh, the project will be overseen by also overseen by Kale Boiter uh, on behalf of Legendary and the original Gundam Studio Sunrise. Jason Young, director of the original film at Netflix, will oversee the project. And it, there's no plot. So, there you go. Next. Next up, live-action Powerpuff Girl uh, photos uh, were revealed. They're unofficial. Of uh, Blossom, Buttercup, and Bubbles came out. Um, no, these are official. Production on, what's that? These are official. Oh, these are official? Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I saw the unofficial ones. Right. Thought that was the uh, one last week, which I think that's what prompted them to put these ones out. I wonder. I'm thinking, they're like, finally, right? Mm. So, well, they were like, well, we might as well. Right. Uh, they have a brand new look as production on the pilot, as we've reported, got underway. The CW released an official first look photo of Powerpuff's Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup. The photo put series stars Chloe Bennett, Dev Cameron, and Yana Perot in their characters' signature colors. However, these costumes are a far cry from the dresses the girls wore during their time as superheroes. In the pilot, which picks up when the girls are adults, they will wear more casual clothing. Right. Um, it kind of feels like how the Power Rangers used to be like everybody dressed in their in their their, their light colors <laughs> situation. But I think yep. I still think like yeah, like I said, like after that last week when they showed those under those uh, set photos, like oh no, we got to get something more efficient out here because we can't have people, you know, joking about the, you know, the, those behind the scene photos <laughs> right. as they were. Um, so yeah. Next up, though, uh, Joe Cornish set to direct Starlight movie uh, adapting Mark Millar's comic book. 
So British comedian and filmmaker Joe Cornish is set to uh, do what I just said. Uh, Starlight follows a space hero named Duke McQueen who saved the universe, but upon his return to Earth, no one believed him. Decades later, after he's uh, settled down and built a life, he's called back for one final escapade. You know, that old chestnut. Uh, reported by Deadline, you might know Joe Cornish from Attack the Block, which if you haven't seen, you should. Um, because that's where we got John Baker from. <laughs> also. Um, who is set to write and direct the upcoming uh, film adaptation of Mark Millar's comic Starlight. There you go. Next. Star Trek Strange New Worlds is apparently going to be more like uh, the original series, says writer Akiva Goldsmith. Um, There's lots of Star Trek content coming our way. With the new series Strange New Worlds, writer and producer Akiva Goldsmith shared some more details about the upcoming series. In an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, Goldsmith opened up about one aspect from the original Star Trek series that he's bringing into the new series. It's unlike the other shows in that it's really episodic, he says. If you think back to the original series, it was a tonally more liberal not in politics, but it could sort of be more fluid. He then went on to explain that what he meant by the show being totally liberal, saying uh, sometimes uh, Robert Block would write a horror episode or Harlan Ellison would have City on the Edge of Forever, which is hard sci-fi. Then there would be comedic episodes like Shore Leave or The Trouble with Tribbles. Okay, I understand that. Yeah, T.O.S. kind of all over the place. <laughs> so I guess that makes sense. And we'll see how that works out. Matter of fact, you know what? You do the honors on this next one. And, and the, last cinematic, the last cinematic one. F9, Fast 9, the imaginatively named ninth film in the increasingly, increasingly physics-defying Fast and Furious franchise, has a new three-minute-plus trailer arriving almost a full year after its original May 2020 release date. There are potential spoilers for things that have already been widely revealed in the trailer. Um, this movie's coming out June 25th. This trailer definitely got me hyped. It definitely made me happy that we see some characters return, um, especially from the Tokyo Drift franchise. Uh, there is one oh, a Tokyo Drift ep- uh, uh, um, uh, movie, that is. Sure. I would say that there's one movie that still has... That, that could still have a few more characters come in, and that would be Too Fast, Too Furious. Mm. There's a couple of side characters that played uh, decent-sized roles in the movie that could use some uh, uh, that could use a reappearance, I think. But um, I oh. definitely enjoyed this. It got me hyped. There's so much craziness in here. It's so fun to hear um, uh, what you call it. Um, uh, oh God, I can't remember his real the, the actor's Lucas. real name. Oh, um, Tyrese. Yes, Tyrese. Gil- I was about to say thank you. I was about to. Say, I was going to call him by his by 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 the character's name. Mm-hmm. Tyrese. It's always fun to hear Tyrese Gibson yell. I don't. He's so I hate it. Yelling. I hated. I hate his character. I hate his character. I wish they would have killed him off. He's yelling. I hate him. I wish they killed him off. And and and, <laughs> and nothing made that point more than watching this trailer. I was like, oh god, he's still. Tell us it's crazy. Folk hungry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Roman Paulus is crazy. Yeah, um, that's one way to put it. I I don't like that. I've never liked his character in this movie. In these movies, I just, oh, uh, and you know, of course, they got to pair him with Tej, right? Right. Because Brian's not around, so um, they pair him with Tej. Well, yeah. To and, be fair, they been, they have been doing that the last couple of movies, though, or the last couple of movies they were together, anyway. So. Exactly, exactly. And we may have to forego uh, a little bit of justice for Han in this uh, in this particular uh, movie that may have to wait for another movie. We'll see. I, I yeah. So uh, yeah. So apparently, there's um, there's thought that this this movie could um, be the start of another trilogy. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. They're going. They're trying to make twelve. Uh, but also, yeah, if you haven't seen this, this is kind of crazy. I watched this with a friend of mine. Uh, I had watched it already, but I watched this with a friend of mine who had not been keeping up with the the stuff around this one. So they didn't know the fact that Han was back. <laughs> Uh, and it was like, oh, it's like, it's like, oh, so it was because because I, I asked them, it was like, yeah, because they had watched all the movies um, up until then, uh, up until uh, eight. So um, it's like, oh, Han's back, and then and then there was a couple of get the fuck out of here moments, <laughs> yeah. And then of course yeah. of this trailer, um, yeah, because I think really we had did. talked prior to watching this about the the you know them about the whole about about them going to space. Right, and apparently they might be. Uh, apparently, according to this trailer, they might be getting close right. to doing that. Well, at least at least low Earth orbit. Right, right, right. in the so, dumbest way possible. Um, yeah, and what's what's funny is that you know what I didn't like about the trailer was that it was so long and that it spoiled one of the big concepts in the movie, but it wasn't really spoiled when I thought about it because they had already employed some of that technology in the first trailer. Right. You know, but you know, to see how widespread it is, I think is the spoiler. Right. Yeah, and yeah, I guess it's the self same frame. Then also see the, the the like I said the, the the stuff leading up to this with the like I said with Han and Cena and and all that kind of mess and was like went from went from yay to like really. <laughs> <laughs> I still like, got hyped. Yeah, I did too. I was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be crazy." <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting any different, and also because because we had you know you and I had been keeping keeping track of the stuff. So, um, and I know we both said like at some point we probably didn't necessarily need to see any more trailers, but still, you know, it was it was That's cool to see. Funny. But yeah, That's I'm like this funny. is gonna be this is gonna be real dumb. Um, and there was also a mention of uh, Charlize Theron's uh, Mo Howard haircut, but I think that I might have been the one to say that and not her. <laughs> but regardless, so yeah, so that's the thing we got coming coming up the pike, folks. Strap in because it's it is coming June twenty fifth, and also the actually brings me up to another story real quick uh, that I, that somebody had mentioned to me. I think it might have been the self same friend talking about that they um they were basically trying to hinge theaters. Uh, being back in business with this film, I'm saying like that's a lot to hinge on this film, right? Like this being the thing that saves theaters because you know we've seen recently a lot of uh, um, theaters kind of closing down or a, a couple of marquee cinemas in places uh, going down or closing. Right. Uh, so like, no, this is not the movie to hinge that on. Like, sure, it's probably gonna do some do some 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 money, do some do some things, but. I don't know about that by hinging the you know the state of theaters in this. Anyway, let us move on. Right. To... I mean what I was going to say is yeah, I right. mean just just to just to you know put put a quick capper on that one. Mm-hmm. 
my idea of a movie, you know, I hate to say this, you know, it's unfortunate that they've kept moving uh, Black Widow around, right. but I think they've also moved Black Widow around so that they can hope to get into the into the box office, we right. get into the theaters. Right. And, you know, what's the new date on Black Widow now? July? I, bl- uh, is it? I believe so. Right. I think that's more practical. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a late June, a late June release is just as good as July. You know, it all depends on, you know, unfortunately, there's been a hiccup in the vaccine rollout right. uh, with the recent news this week. But um, my second one's next week. So, you know, mm-hmm. my, the hope is that, um, you know, theaters will be opening up by July. Right. You know, and hopefully Fast and the Furious will still be out in the theaters. I may not see it open weekend, but hopefully sometime in July. Uh, July you know. 9th, by the way, is Black Widow. Right. So hopefully sometime in July will be a nice, uh, it'd be funny if I could, you know, if I could sneak in a double feature. Right. Yeah, that's a lot of sitting on our butts, but guess what we're doing right now, folks? Sitting on our butts a lot, so. That's still, yeah, and that's still a step too far for me at this point, because I'm like, no, I'm I, I'm still going to continue to sit in my house and do my thing. I'm just fine. I also do hate, though, the fact that Black Widow is going to be under uh, Disney Plus uh, premiere thing, though, uh, which we've already talked about that, so. Oh, the added cost, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which, uh, which one did you take? I think you told me, though. Which, uh, which vaccine did you take? If you don't let me ask you. Pfizer! I am Team Pfizer. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah, and given what, what's been said about Johnson & Johnson, which I know people have had aversions to that one anyway, um, yeah, maybe maybe stay away from that one. So mm-hmm. now we're going to transition over into the, the comic book news. Transition! Transition! Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice... Uh, Miles Morales is taking on the Falcon's most noble fight, and this is spoilers for Spider-Man 20, uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man 1 number 24, which came out last week, a couple weeks ago, I can't remember. Uh, but basically this is saying that, um, Sp- uh, Miles Morales says, Spider-Man has a chance to work, uh, as a hero again, and the first thing he did was to help some people in a collapsed building alongside his close friend. And close. We already talked about this. Uh, but, um, however, what happened next might define Miles Morales as the speculation in this piece, uh, in the future and could make his goals very close to those of the Falcon. Um, so basically, yeah, it's cause they, they went after this one slum lord person and they thinking that he might be, uh, going into some advocacy, um, uh, almost in like a social work fashion, like, uh, like the Falcon did or something, uh. So yeah, that's that's pretty much that. Uh, next up, though. Next up, uh, I, I guess we've gotten some previews of um, the Heroes Reborn stuff that is going to be coming out during this um, event uh, this summer. Um, Marvel Comics unveiled the cover and synopsis for Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Two from writer Carla Pacheco and artist Eleonora Carlini, which ties into Infinite Destinies, the series of annuals, all of which focus on established Marvel heroes interacting with newer uh, characters whose powers are tied to the Infinity Stones. I apologize, not Heroes Reborn, but this um, Infinite Destinies uh, annual run. Uh, Shout out to Atlantis Attacks. Um... Right, so in Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number Two, Spider-Man will run afoul of Star, the cranky irascible. I love the the use of the word here, the irascible villain slash antihero of Captain Marvel and Thunderbolt's fame, who possesses powers derived from the Infinity Stone. Okay, 
indeed. Um, shush, 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 shush. Nah. <laughs> trying to set up something for uh, um, down the line, which is folks are actually seeing after watching the video. And you should watch the video sometimes because you know you can see some of this stuff we're talking about. Uh, and now we get to actually uh, a complete guide to Heroes Reborn. Um, so welcome to a world without where, excuse me, welcome to a world where Tony Stark never built an Iron Man armor, where Thor is a hard drinking atheist who despises hammers, uh, where Wakanda, which I feel like they, they've done at some point. They, they might've hinted that in the comic books, uh, elsewhere in, in the past couple of years, but anyway, um, oh yeah, the, the young Thor stuff. I think they did do that. In there. Anyway, where Wakanda is dismissed as a myth and where Wakanda, uh, Captain America was never found in the ice because there were no Avengers to find him. Uh, instead, this world has always been protected by Earth's mightiest heroes, the Squadron Supreme of America, and now the Squadron faces an attack from some of their fiercest enemies like uh, Dr. Juggernaut, the Black Skull, the Silver Witch, and Thanos, because they didn't bother to give Thanos a, 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 a funky name, apparently, with his Infinity Rings. Uh, but why is the Daywalker Blade the one man alive who seems to remember that the entire world has been somehow reborn? Because this is House of Blade. <laughs> oh, no! Uh, the, story, the story begins at your local comic shop on May 5th with Heroes Born number one. And then it kind of goes goes on to talking a little bit more about um, subsequent issues. So yeah, I don't know if I'm looking for I you know, Heroes Born has a bad connotation in the mouths of people of a certain uh of vintage. Um maybe this is gonna be a little bit better. We I guess we'll see. It'll be different, and It'll that's be what's different. best. Yeah, sure. No, it's just it's just the name, you know, which brings back unfortunately bad memories. Mm-hmm. Um but It'll be different from the original Heroes Reborn concept, which is good. We hope. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's it's not altogether foreign because that's the whole concept behind the Squadron. The original concept of the Squadron Supreme, anyway, mm-hmm. which is that it's a take on the DC concept, but you know, with uh, you know, with, with sometimes a villainous, um, uh, a villainous twist. Sure. Yeah, like I said, next month, folks. Uh, I think it's just you. Next, next up, Marvel revealed which X Men have already lost the new team fan vote so far. At the beginning of the year, fans had the chance to vote on the final member of the new X Men team. Now, Marvel has revealed which mutants have not made the cut so far. Marvel shared the poll results as a series of comic strips on Twitter written by Hellions writer Zeb Wells with a rotating group of artists. Artists. The comic features the comics feature Strong Guy and Forge, Boom Boom and Tempo, and Armor and Marrow. Mike Henderson illustrated Equality starring Strong Guy and Forge. Nico Leon draws Boom Boom and Tempo and Overserved. And rounding out the artistic talent is Emilio Lazo or Laizo on Armor and Marrow's The Best Offense Story. Rochelle Rosenberg provided color art for all three comics. So I guess the creator favorite um, Tempo didn't make it past, make it into the finals. I guess not. I know comic creators were, were were definitely voting for her. Right. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, there there you go, folks. They 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 didn't make the cut. 
boom, boom, I can kind of understand, but also that would probably have been an interesting, um, an, an interesting pick for an X Men proper team because she's still her. <laughs> right, 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 for right. Good or for ill, she's still her. So next up, though, um, Peter David's uh, legendary '90s run on X Factor is reborn in X Men Legends number five. So writer Peter David will be the next classic X creator returning to add new depth to his legendary X Men uh, excuse me X Factor run uh, in an arc on X Men Legends starting with July's uh, number five, which uh, I'm going to assume this is um, this is the the the, the Fab Five. Because he started, because he started X Factor, right? I should know this because I was reading the book. Anyway, uh, uh, um, Peter David was the one that started X Factor in the first place. No, I don't was think he? he started the original X Factor, but I, I did think it? I remember, or maybe he was a later team that I'm that uh, with having. Because I think I thought I was about to say uh, I think Weezy Simonson started X Factor. That. Probably right. Um, sorry, fact checking here for a coin quick moment. <laughs> yeah, right. I think Weezy Simonson started it, and then it went to, um, uh, what's my call? It went to um, Peter David when he did the. Um, this is Bob Layton. The later run. It says Bob Layton and Jackson Guise. Jackson Geis? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Geis. Yeah. And then okay, yeah, Peter David was the was the half again them, the nineties uh Exactly, exactly. Okay. So so bummer for me then, because we don't Oh care. yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say Bob Layton and Jackson Geis wrote and illustrated the first few issues of X Factor, then they right. turned it over to Weezy Simonson and Walt Simonson. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Yes, because of yes, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. So yeah, so bummer for for me because I would have preferred <laughs> I've preferred it uh, being the OG uh, X Men than or the the original X Factor slash uh, OG X Men <laughs> than Havoc scene. No shade to them because yeah, sure, you know. Um, but as it is, but regardless, um, following that, the title will apparently stay in X Factor continuity. Country uh, bring in long time. X Factor writer uh, Peter David, who penned the team's adventures and the multiple volumes in the nineties. I guess if we had read <laughs> read a little bit longer, we would have uh, done, we would have seen that. But um, and Todd Knock is doing the art. So there you go. Next, next up, um, <laughs> Marvel's Avengers is uh, this is a video game latest downloadable content. Quote, Future Imperfect adds new content to the game, and Crystal Dynamics has outlined a roadmap for updates launching in the coming months. These include Black Panther and Wakanda joining the game. Details on these are unknown, but other items are now in the game have sparked conversation. Uh, these include new skins for the existing lineup of heroes. These outfits are based on the characters' various appearances from the comics and Marvel Cinematic Universe. And one notable one is a nod to Tony Stark's time as a villain with his endosim armor from the Superior Iron Man. That's the white armor. However, this isn't the only skin that shows some of the Earth's mightiest heroes at their lowest points. Okay. Yeah, so apparently the uh, unworthy Thor um, costume shows up also, and I think Cap has also has another one as a costume 
from it at some point. So yeah, there you go. Oh wait, is he a? Wait, is it? Is he doing Hydra Cap? I think they might be doing Hydra Cap. Weird. I don't. They mentioned anyway. Regardless, some more more suits come to the game. Next up, though. um... Marvel's Villainous uh, gets first expansion, Mischief and Malice, this summer. Uh, Ravisburger has announced the first standalone expansion for Marvel uh, for Marvel Villainous, which is a board game. Uh, Mischief and Malice. This expansion will feature three more classic Marvel villains to add to your games, like Loki, Madame Mask, and MODOK. Of course, each one of these has their uh, own unique goal. And unique play style, such as uh, Loki's need to spend a unique currency called Mischief. Uh, Mask is out for Hero Blood, and Modok is after the Cosmic Cube. Um, and that's expansion is going to come out August 1st for $24.99. And I think there's also some card art uh, from the game in this article, if you're so inclined to check that out. Next. Something that is not going to be twenty four ninety nine. Oh no! <laughs> Far from <laughs> Hasbro at Hasbro Pulse Fan Fest last week announced something pretty cool. Yes, they unveiled the first ever auto transforming Transformers toy. Hasbro announced at uh, Hasbro Pulse Fan Fest on April 9th that they had teamed up with Robosyn Robotics to create a fully functional Optimus Prime collector's item introduced as the Transformers Optimus Prime auto-converting programmable advanced robot. The robot is now available for pre-order at Hasbro Pulse for six hundred and ninety nine dollars, so, uh, Polygon noted in an article that they had been making suspiciously that that Robison Robosen Robotics had been making suspiciously Transformer looking motorized robots for years. Mm-hmm. So, do you have um uh, the video that you're showing? Is it transforming? So I did show a video. Yes, I did show the video from CNET, uh, which is going to be in the uh, show notes, by the way, of the um, of the uh, of the thing transforming. Uh, and I'm also I'm showing the the pictures that are in the article now. But gotcha. um, there was also I know when I first saw this, uh, you you may or may not have seen it, but it was um, Kevin Smith responding to seeing this because I believe I don't know if he had somebody from the robotics thing on the show or, or on a show or something, but I saw there was a um, an image of him responding to seeing it transform for itself that I didn't uh, that I didn't actually watch. So, but yeah, like I said, you can see it in the. Uh, I want. I I would. I would want this, but that's seven hundred bucks. I mean. I've seen it. It's cool. I'm going to look for that Kevin Smith reaction, though. Uh-huh. But that's pretty intense. And it's yeah. big. It is not a small toy. No, but it is not. It is not. Um, actually, it is and not yeah, you can see. Like a, yeah, I'm, I'm just showing the, the still of the picture of the of the video that I showed uh, in relation to mm-hmm. the, the young lady that is um, that is showing it off. So it's it's kind of big. It's kind of big. 
Unless you still have the plastic on it on the hands, also which, while it was transforming, that's kind of funny. Um, right. Apparently, and you can remote control it via an app as well. Yes. So that's pretty crazy. Oh, she's got a little gizmo tuck behind her. Anyway, let me let me just stop looking at it. Um. So yeah. So yeah, that's 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 that thing. It's cool as hell, but that's a lot of money. But speaking of uh, Hasbro's Fans Fest, uh, I was about to say there's a there's an animated GIF on the Verge. Oh yeah, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. what I'm looking at now. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that's pretty nuts. Yeah, if you if you watch the video in a while, um, Agent Seven was talking about it. You saw the the video that that is in the show notes from CNET uh, that mm-hmm. showed the transformation. So it's pretty damn cool. Uh, but Net Hasbro announces Galvatron, Predacon, Scorponok, uh, and the Autobot Arc, which I saw that before I saw this article. Uh, upcoming Transformers War for Cybertron figures. So the third and final season of Netflix Transformers War for uh, Cybertron trilogy premieres in July. Which, okay, I did not know that. That's good to know. <laughs> uh, and sees Predacons and Maximals sh- sh- joining the fight which yeah I do remember that part that they were leading up to but leading up to the new season and in front of Hasbro's FanFest okay this is before FanFest uh, on April 9th Hasbro revealed three new Transformers War for Cybertron figures uh, available for pre-order this week or that week I should say because this article came out on the 7th so uh, I am scrolling through pictures of Galvatron Yes, it is Galvatron from the movie, and he's decked out with the bling of the Matrix with the chain around it uh, in pictures. And here he is transformed. Uh, there's the Ark. Um, this joint is big, and it's 159 bucks. Now, mind you, mind you the Ark never transformed in, in during the course of G1, so this is a brand new joint. I kind of want this also. Uh, but it's hundred fifty nine dollars, and probably won't happen. And they even have a picture in here of the arc in a, a faux uh, lava setup, which I'm pretty sure someone's going to do <laughs> as a display. Um, and then there's uh, some other, you know, there's some more pictures of the arc, and then there's Scorponok from Beast War, uh, yeah, from Beast Wars. As I'm clicking through, and then it just starts over again. So there you go, folks. Uh, again, if you're watching the video, you saw all of that. So some cool stuff. I might actually kind of want that Galvatron, but maybe not. Uh, so see, all three figures will be available starting July 1st, but it can be pre-ordered. Uh, as of right now, Galvatron's is 50 bucks, Scorponok is 22.99, and the aforementioned Arc is 150 bucks. Although. Wait, 140 yeah, so it's 150 bucks, and I think I saw it on Entertainment Earth for $10 more. So, yeah, watch out for that stuff. Next up. Um, I was about to say, do we have in the news that Marvel already announced who won the vote? No. Uh, do you it have that? Out, it came out yesterday. Okay. Do you do you have that? Actually, yeah. No, 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 no. It came yeah, it did come it came out it came out the day of the show, but it came out in the morning. Gotcha. Came out in a tweet. Do you want to know who it is? You want me to reveal sure. who it is online sure. right now? It's Polaris. Okay, sure. Why not? <laughs> Why not? She's been a part of a team before. Why not? Um, cool. But um, next up, 
Next up, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid is getting a Street Fighter crossover with Ryu and Chun-Li transformed into the Crimson Hawk Ranger and Blue Phoenix Ranger, respectively. Announced with uh, IGN, a Street Fighter DLC pack is going to come to um, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid video game um, on PC, PS4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and Stadia yes, or Stadia on May 25th, priced at $12.50 US dollars. Yeah, and it is Stadia. Um, so, yeah, so this is this has a precedent to it because they are, as this article noted, they were first featured in the other Power Rangers game, uh, mobile game, the Legacy Wars. But there's also, if you, um, there's also a live action video where, uh, uh, the Green Ranger, Tommy, Tommy, uh, Jason, Jason, David, Frank, whatever his name is, Tommy, basically, uh, teams up. Well, first fights and then teams up with uh, Chun Li and Ryu for a uh, live action joint. Uh, and that, if you've not seen it before now, is in the show notes that you can check that out. It's actually not bad done. Sadly enough, Chun Li did not get her her uh, Power Ranger transformation in that, but right Ryu did for some strange reason. Um, anyhow, next up though, Jurassic Park meets Reebok, uh, Instapump, Fury, and Stephen Smith collaboration. So, yeah, Reebok and Universal Pictures are launching sneakers inspired by Jurassic Park. Uh, designed by Stephen Smith, which I'm keep thinking Stephen A. Smith, which I don't think it's him. Um, I hope not. <laughs> the new collection has three unique sneakers, uh, featuring a dinosaur-like stripe design and a colorway, um... Inspired by the green, red, and yellow Ford Explorers that appeared in 1993's Jurassic Park. Uh, I don't... These are kind of ugly. Uh, according to the Heist of Heat, the Reebok silhouettes uh, featured in the new collection are the CL Collection, Club C, and Instapump Fury. I don't know what any of that means. Except for the Instapump. I know they got the Instapump the, the pop-up shoes, but the rest of those, are, I assume, they're whatever. So, yeah, you can see the pictures here um, of, I think that's the Reebok Punk one. Yeah, they're kind of ugly. Somebody might rock them, but we'll probably tell you. Next. Okay, so in news that was kind of hyped, maybe? <laughs> maybe a little. So, how Disney's real, quote-unquote, real lightsaber patent actually works. So, a real lightsaber, how is that possible? It's probably not, of course. But when Disney Parks chairman Josh DeMauro ended his April 8th presentation by whipping out a never-before-seen retractable lightsaber, no video evidence, mind you, Disney and Star Wars fans went wild online. Speculation ran rampant, much of it pointing to a 2018 patent for... A sword device with a retractable, internally illuminated blade. Uh, apparently, the people at, at Verge poured through the patent late in the evening, and they tried to figure out a way to show how it worked. But then they went to, uh, but then VR developer Ben Ridout had uh, did better uh, illuminating Disney's patented concept with a set of simple animations. Essentially, they are motorized tape measures. Yeah, um, I mean, I think they've, I feel like they've done things kind of similar to this before. Um, I feel like I've seen things that are kind of similar, probably without the retractable thing that you would want. Mm-hmm. The, the retraction that you would want. Because I know there was those ones that you flick them out there, um, 
they'll 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 go out. They'll they'll they'll, they'll um fold out. But I'm pretty sure it just sounds like this is not that. So sure. All right, cool. Next up <laughs> it's official. <laughs> this, I mean don't get me wrong, I it I I I I put that in there because you know I'm as a Star Wars fan and somebody who would probably want a Star Wars uh, lightsaber that way. I don't know why I even said Star Wars, but a lightsaber that would do something like that. You know, it, it is what it is until I see something actual real. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Disneyland's Avengers Campus will open June fourth. Uh, so obviously, doing due to COVID delays and whatever, uh, and and not whatever, but basically due to COVID delays, uh, parks are starting to open back up for better for ill. Um, on Thursday, I guess uh, the 7th or whatever it was, the Disney Parks and the Marvel Studios announced Avengers Campus will open to the public Friday, June 4th. Uh, the Super Theater-themed California Adventure Park, which that's a thing you should definitely note, uh, expansion was originally scheduled to open in summer 2020, back when Black Widow was first doing theaters. But now it will debut uh, under heavy pandemic-related uh, restrictions, including operating at limited capacity as the state eases out of social distancing measures. Uh, and uh, yeah, this comes from the Disney Park Twitter um, Twitter Twitter handle. This tweet that's on this thing. So yeah, there you go. It's a thing that's coming. Will I go there anytime soon? Probably not. I. <laughs> I would like to, yes. But nevertheless, next up. Next up, Skybound X to celebrate publisher's 10-year anniversary with a new Rick Grimes and with new Rick Grimes and Clementine or Tyne stories. Mm-hmm. Um beginning in July, Image Comics and Skybound Entertainment are gonna launch a five-issue limited comic book series entitled titled uh Skybound X. In the series, fans will get to meet Clementine, the heroine from Telltale's The Walking Dead video game series, for the first time on the comics page. The story is going to elaborate on the non-canonical alternate ending presented by writer Robert Kirkman and artist Ryan Otley in The Walking Dead number 75, which will um, uh, be a five-part tale titled Rick Grimes 2000. The five-issue series will run weekly and feature a murderer's row of Skybound talent, including... Kirkman and Otley, also Tilly Walden, Donnie Cates, Joshua Williamson, Chip Zdarsky, James Herron, uh, and Daniel Warren Johnson. Cool. Yeah. Um, next up, Jupiter's Legacy trailer uh, sends the comic book issues soaring in price. No surprise. Uh, I guess. Uh, the secondary comic book market continues to see spikes in the back issues of the comic books with ties to t- television and or film. Uh, as the release of the trailer for the upcoming Jupiter's Legacy's television sto- series on Netflix has caused the price of the first issue of Jupiter's Legacy comic book to spike in price. Uh, the original 2013 Image Comics miniseries by Mark Millar and Frank Quietly was popular when it was released, was it? Uh, anyway, uh, but it was never a particularly big back issue darling. That's just natural, of course, as this article says. Uh, the bigger, the biggest driver in secondary comic book market has been connections to TV and other films. Which, honestly, when this first comic book TV to TV boom happened, it wasn't so much of, and it only, only as of the last few years has been a thing, more of a thing than not. But because it didn't necessarily start out that way. But yeah, I guess it's good to see. But yeah, that's the thing, folks. Next up. Okay, in some hyperbole here, 
Uh, yes. Spoiler clickbait alert. Wonder Woman <laughs> just made Aquaman's deadliest move even scarier. So, um, you know, you know, Aquaman talks with the fishes. <laughs> He's a superhero. <laughs> Um, you might be most famous for telepathically telepathically communicating with sea creatures. It's the shark attack where he commands giant creatures like sharks and megalodons in battle that truly strike fear into opponents. In Sensational Wonder Woman number 12, Diana of Themyscira copies Aquaman's daily move and she uses it to torture her enemies into submission in a way that Aquaman never has. Okay. Yeah, so you can see the image of um, I'm assuming this is Gigantor being chomped on a by a um, yeah, it is Gigantor being chomped on by some by some uh, fishies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all right. Next, uh, DC's watch DC's Rorschach comic just gave the Watchmen universe its weirdest cameo. Uh, I don't that might be a little bit more hyperbole, but apparently, uh, Frank Miller. Uh, has a cameo in Rorschach's book, which I believe is from this week, actually. Uh, Rorschach number seven, yeah, it came out this week. So, spoiler alerts if you even care. But, um, yeah. Frank Miller. Next. Alrighty, last year's Hugo Awards ceremony certainly had its issues, apparently, but getting nominated for a Hugo Award is still a big deal, especially when there's an impressive and diverse set of finalists. Book-wise, N.K. Jemison could get her fourth best novel award if she defeats the third novel by Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell's Susanna Clarke. The Ghost Spider, formerly known as Spider-Gwen, is up for best comic, while Birds of Prey, Netflix's The Old Guard, and the Time travel comedy Palm Springs are best film nominees. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, two episodes of um, Mandalorian are in the running at some point. So is Shui Rosh, Princess of Power, and The Good Place. And apparently, for some strange reason, I don't know what the, the Hugo's also entails, but Final Fantasy Remake, Hades, and Animal Crossing New Horizons are also running for best video game. So I guess they, either they branched out or I don't know. So yeah. Good for all of those. And they, well, we don't have winners just yet that I know of. These are just the finalists. I don't know if the winners have been chosen yet. So now we um, move on to the end of the show, but really, really very, very quick before um, the ad reads. I want to show this thing that I just got. Um, you got a toy corner? Huh? You got a toy corner? I do have a I very quick toy corner to which. Okay. I was about to say, while you're getting it, I can I can tell uh, people that during the Hasbro uh, Pulse Fan Fest, um, they announced some new Marvel Legends, and I was able to pre-order. Um, I'm not getting the whole bad guys wave. It's not together. It's not all that interesting, but I definitely pre-ordered um, the parts of the Iron Man wave. Mm-hmm. That's coming out. I got the Ultron. I got the Riri Ironheart, and um, I got uh, the modular armor, which is straight out of Marvel versus Capcom. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I think um, I think I am probably going to order those self same ones. Although I am starting to lean towards the whole set for some dumb reason. Really? Even though well, I don't I, like the cool right the stealth is cool right um it's kind of cool to build the the build a figure is ursa major ursa yeah. major the uh the bear the giant bear 
um, Soviet super soldier who I jokingly, I think, did I tell you this, that he looks like Goku without a tail? I think you did mention that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's a spoiler alert for Dragon Ball uh, for you folks that had never watched that. Yep. Because yep. that been for me. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's a big Teddy. It's a, it's a big grizzly bear. You know, it's kind of cool. Like, that means they're going to put out the Soviet super soldiers eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, we did get Roddy Cat mentioned that we did get a, a Crimson Dynamo, but it's not the Dynamo that most old school comic readers are used to. And I believe that was a t- Titanium Man, also. But because that in that Kazefkin conversation, we t- we talked about that too. But yeah, you know, well, you mentioned that. I don't think I've. Uh, right but armors being armors that gives them plenty of opportunities to put out different versions so um you know we'll see how you know because that that's just fodder for future iron man uh waves but they did finally put out the stealth armor that that was tempting for me the stealth armor the original stealth armor was tempting for me um and the one that's probably pushing me over actually to to get in the whole wave Mm-hmm. The Dark Star, the Dark Star is pretty cool. Yeah. It's so simple though, but you know, yeah. The uh, only one I don't like is that hologram suit. I'm like that one. I wasn't. Yeah, that was a waste. Yeah, that one's kind of a waste. But what are you gonna do? Yeah. So real quick, toy corner here. Um, I got my Ahsoka. Nice. I actually had it for a while now. It's just been sitting out in a box in the in the in the hall. <laughs> I was like, let me go ahead and is open that- this up. Is that the one? Is that the adult one, or is that the one from the animated show? I believe this is the adult one. Okay, because that that the 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 one from the animated show that I would have oh, loved. Wait, no, to this have. is from Rebels. Oh, is that the one from Rebels? That's the one I would like to get. Right. So because you got to look at the face sculpt, right? Like where it looks more animated. That's yeah. a cool one. I definitely would want to get my hands on that. Yes. Would you get that from Target? Uh, I think Big Bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I said, because hey, uh, yeah, this is the one I was telling you that was sitting in Apollo loot that I never, uh, oh, yeah, that they were holding, okay. and I forgot to go check it. I didn't realize <laughs> it was available on Big Bad. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll, uh, I'll I'll see if it's there still. Yeah, I Maybe. doubt it though. Uh, you might you, know, you might be surprised. So yeah, so that is that, folks. Um, That's cool. So now we can go to the last ad read of the night. Our last ad reader of the night, because we have been going for a little while, is, of course, for Amazon. Help us keep our podcast free by shopping at Amazon. Visit cspn.us, then click the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down and click on the Amazon link to shop. Purchase items from Amazon as you normally would, whether it's books, music, electronics, jewelry, apparel, or Marvel Legends. For every purchase made on Amazon through our link, Amazon sends the CSPN a payment... That helps us keep the Comic Book Chronicles podcast free for our listeners at no extra cost to you. Amazon.com through CSPN.us. Do it today. And as we come to the end of another exciting episode of Comic Chronicles, thank you each and every one of you folks for coming out, whether it be live for the recording or later on the video, watching the video or audio uh, versions. Uh, I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat on Twitter, News News Need on Twitter, and CB Caps on Instagram. Agent underscore seventy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, our our absentee uh, hosts uh, PC underscore Dirt, which you can find on Twitter at PC underscore Dirt. You can find them at uh, uh, 
Wow. How did I even... <laughs> uh, PopCultureNet on Twitter, PopCultureNetwork.com, uh, and all those umbrella sites they're in, and possibly still at uh, Byte on, um, as uh, comic reviews, no vowels. One of these days, I'll actually ask him <laughs> if you're actually still doing that mess. Uh, but also, Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, the Osiris that is ish. You can also find him at uh, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Combo Chronicles Twitter account. You know, definitely go hit him up, say, you know, hey, how you doing? You know, send us questions, comments uh, at, at that account. Uh, if you feel so secure, we'll see it at some point. Um, or at least he will, and he'll pass along. Or we'll see it when we look over there. We don't know. Uh, but also, you can find Tim... Um, at the click nation on Twitter, that's the K L I Q N A T O N, the click nation.com, but also at Comic Resources, where he's over there writing his face off, and that's cbr.com. Oh, yeah, there it is because yeah. I forgot, I keep forgetting to put that part in, but you know, I figure at this point, if, you, if you're following comic books, you probably know about CBR already, um, uh, and where to find it. So, uh, you can also find this here podcast on the Coastal the Podcast Network, that's cspn.us. Do it today. You can also find this podcast on your podcast for some place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast SoundCloud page. And that is the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. But you got me. You got me. Uh, and again, you can find us here every Thursday night, 9.30 ish PM on, uh, streaming live on the click nations, uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash the click nation, or you can find us on twitch.tv slash comic book chronicles. And thank you for the folks that came through tonight. Yes. And thank you, uh, for that make sure to hit like subscribe follow and ask for a click on for a notification so you know when we are on there it is baby paul um and with that folks we will uh, again um uh parking with the soldier in a few short hours uh another episode of invincible uh is also coming out which i not to think about it. i have not watched the last couple so maybe i'll catch up on that uh but yeah until next week this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace. One rest in peace, DMX. Indeed. Good evening, Rick. Would you believe it's, it's Dr.